1: Battle Cat and I became He-Man, the most powerful man in the universe!
2: Welcome to Star Joe's podcast, episode one seventy six, Baltimore wrap up. I'm your host Ryan. I'm John, and welcome back, everyone. Yes, we survived Baltimore Comic Con, and uh, it's been a couple, probably a couple weeks now since uh, Baltimore Comic Con. I did survive without any get, catching any of the con crud. I know a couple of our friends did get it. How about you, John? How did how did you manage?
0: Yeah, I survived. I didn't get crud, uh, knock on a countertop, even traveled since. And uh, I will say, though, I have gone back and listened now to episode 175. And Rock, you almost killed me again. I only saved those two iPods to uh, shot me back in rhythm from laughing so hard. But no, it's been good. It's been good. <laughs> yeah, um,
2: I, I got oh, definitely a lot of messages that uh, people were falling over laughing at, at things that Rock was saying. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, I, I got a few messages from people that were there that noticed a, maybe a one or two things that weren't in the episode that Rock said.
0: <laughs> and, well, again, I'll, I still say we put one behind the table on it and, you know, try to hear the unedited version. But yeah, they, they may not necessarily need to hear that out in, out in the uh, public good. So. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but uh, but yes, yeah, so it was a great time. I loved being able to record with everybody um that was there uh travis actually uh, i will say travis actually saved me a little bit uh a bit of a headache with the episode because he brought up a, a portable recorder with him and i had my laptop going and i don't know if i just didn't have the mic position in the right place for all of us but like i could hear you really good i could hear myself i could hear nick And uh, I could hear Travis pretty well. JP, I could hear pretty well. But when it got to the other end of the table, except for when Rock was speaking really loud, um, I had a tough time hearing him. I had a tough time hearing Tony. And and Brian Lang was pretty good. But when I uh, Travis gave me the memory card from his recorder, and man, all of us were really clear. And it came across really well. So I'm actually going to look to get one of those recorders uh for future cons cuz that's actually easier to transport around than carrying a laptop everywhere <laughs> right um so and I might be able to actually use it like on the con floor and everything else pretty easily so um especially knowing how well it records now so um, so, yeah, that, that, was, uh, that was an interesting one to put together. Uh, you guys tried to make my life more difficult by being like, insert music here and this sound effect there. And
0: <laughs> I will take responsibility for that, yes, because I, I was happily saying insert music here because there were a lot of cues, but you did a, you did a, you did a good job.
2: Yeah, um, thanks. <laughs> and I also want to say, just to give an update on, on one thing, too. Uh, as far as the YouTube channel goes, I uh, got I, I've already started playing around with the software. I have the intro almost put together. Uh, it's like a 10 second intro, but it took me probably like 40 minutes to put together just because I was searching for music. I was wanting to get the right audio, I was trying to get the right special effects and all that type of stuff. I'm waiting on just one small part. Uh, that my wife's going to provide for me to put the intro together once that's together I'm actually going to put it up on our um, Facebook page uh, as just a teaser to show people what the intro looks like and sounds like it's got the intro music and everything Uh, because once that's together it's really just a matter of me going and recording stuff and then putting it all together Uh, So I would say in the next couple weeks, the first episode should be out. So it will still be out in September. Um, And, uh, yeah, I'm very excited about that. And I think uh, other people will be excited as well. I'll be doing comic reviews and things like that. The first video will be just introducing what Star Joes is and what the the YouTube channel is going to be all about. So So you're telling me this isn't the last episode, right? This is not the last episode, no. Cool. um yeah it's it's if nothing else it's only bigger and better over over the next year or so um and i know there's a lot of listeners that are very excited about seeing the youtube channel and i think that's going to bring more listeners to the podcast i think it's going to be nothing but a great thing the one thing i will say it's very interesting uh is because you don't realize this until you start doing it and Mm -hmm. Uh, I set up the area with the you know the lighting and all that type of stuff and you could play around with the lighting and all that to make sure you're getting rid of shadows and and whatnot but I set up my iPhone camera on top of the tripod just to kind of make sure I was getting the screen screen in the right place had the tripod set up in the right place and everything else that it's a good thing I'm not claustrophobic because that camera is right up on you like it's probably a good two feet from your face um and then there's a light uh what's called a backlight that's right behind me and that's supposed to help me like pop from the background stand out from the background and everything so that's literally right behind me so i can't move more than like a foot in any direction uh without knocking something over or running into something uh, in order to get the shot that I want, which is actually probably a really good thing because I have a habit of moving around a lot and talking with my hands and things like that. It'll make my movements a lot more purposeful, but, man, I didn't realize how close up everything is, and then I watched some other YouTubers revealing how they do their shows, and I found out, oh, yeah, they their camera's right up in their face, too, so... <laughs> So, um, so yeah, so like I said, I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, like I said, I know a lot of listeners are looking forward to that. I've had a few people reach out, like when is the first one coming out? So I just wanted to throw out an update there and, uh, and let everyone know that that is fast approaching. So, so going back to Baltimore con, uh, we recorded Saturday night, but, uh, we still have a lot of things to talk about from like even Sunday and just kind of the trip in general. So Anything in particular that was uh, stand out for you aside from things that we already talked about, John?
0: We had a really uh, Sunday was really entertaining. Uh, obviously, you know, so, Sunday's always tough of any show. It's typically the, the last day, and you know, it's uh, it's kind of down because people are getting ready to leave. And uh, to their credit, we talked about in the last show, the uh, convention uh, staff had made the decision to let folks that. Uh, had been there on Saturday only, had gotten caught in the fire drill, let them come back. It felt like Sunday had more people, and I'm guessing that's in part because of that decision. Yeah. Which I think was a really good, it was a great decision on their part, I give them a lot of credit for it. I, I think, you know, they handled it as tactfully and quickly and professionally as somebody could. Uh, but, you know, obviously saying goodbye to folks, and then, you know, your crew left. Sunday afternoon, yeah. we stayed around and, uh, we had an incredibly hilarious experience that evening. Uh, we show wrapped up and we said, okay, we're going to go to dinner. And we decided, well, we didn't decide Olivia 10, who may or may not listen to this. She wanted to go to Bubba Gump Shrimp Company. Okay. So we said, okay, we'll go to Bubba Gump. So we go to Bubba Gump and we get there and it's an hour before you can get in. Oh, wow. It's Sunday night. It's at the, it's there at the, it's uh, there at the, uh, at the, uh, at the waterfront. So everything's busy. We know it's going to be like that. Not a big deal. He said, that's cool. Whatever. So, uh, it was, uh, it was me, Brian Lang, JP, Jacob, uh, Brian Shearer, uh, Shannon and Olivia came a little bit later. So, uh, uh, Grub and, and Ewan, and so all of us were there. So Sheer and I went in, and we had a drink at the bar and kind of hung around, and then we hung around some more, and then they finally let us in. We're at our table, and people behind us, they seem to be in a pretty good sort, and they had a birthday, and they came over, and they clap, and they sing happy birthday to them, whatever they do. Mm-hmm. And dude, within like 30 seconds, it went from zero to 100 and this lady at the next table over proceeds to curse like any sailor you'd ever imagine. <laughs> f and this and f and that, and you left f and dirty plates on our table, and I'm not paying our f and bill. And we all just kind of turn around, like, what in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Right. And this, the, the, the amazing part of this, and, and, and sad part to me. There were young kids at this table. I'm talking five, six years old. They had been running around. They were, they were, they were fine. They, but they were running around the table and playing whatever. And this lady just starts screaming. And this guy comes over and like, you say you're the effing manager, but you're not doing anything. And this is going on for I don't know ten minutes. Well, then Shannon rolls in. We're like, oh Shannon, see what you caused. You made these people cuss. And they're, <laughs> I mean, they are. Ryan, it was bananas. They are <laughs> this lady is screaming and cussing and caring. I mean, everybody and your effing staff did this and effing that. And it, I, I this went on for a while and we're all kind of looking at each other. We're trying to order. We got this poor guy that's our waiter. He was a really sweet guy, but he was he was really new to the restaurant and he was not from around here and. He had a hard time, and we were having a hard time. Of course, we're listening to all the shenanigans behind us. They finally, like, we're effing leaving. They get up and walk out, and the husband, I assume, or this man that was with the woman, is flying the bird at everybody. I mean, he's walking out just double fingered, showing everybody what he thinks in his IQ level, and he's flipping off everybody. we're still sitting there. What in the hell happened? You know, because like it, it was again. They went from singing "Happy Birthday" to "F" and you, and "F" and this, and "F" and that. So anyhow, the manager came over and apologized, and once they left, it was fine. But sure. the best part was. So we're waiting for the food, and of course, if you've been to Bubba Gump. You know, they like to come over and they ask you silly movie questions about the movie. Okay. Now, let's face it. This movie came out in 1994, right? So we're talking 22 years ago. I'm guessing the waiter was 25. (laughs) And again, he was not from around here. He was – I believe he was Brazilian. That's what I'm going to guess. And if I'm wrong, I'm sorry. But South American of some type. And he starts asking us these questions. He had no idea what he was talking about. Mm -hmm. And we're like just – I'm like just, guys, just – answer him and go on well they brought the food out then brian lang looks at him and says hey man what did jenny die of <laughs> and he's like what what did jenny die of and the guy's like uh uh, uh," and he goes aids and he's like oh okay and he's like no don't you know that haven't you seen the movie jenny died from aids oh, i was like brian get, let this kid just, right. just, this kid just let this kid service. us in <laughs> it was hilarious.
2: He was trying to make a point.
0: Anyway, well, you know, I was like, "Look, the poor kid," you could tell he. I think he told us he'd been there a week, yeah. If that, and he he didn't know what Jen was up. Anyway, so it was a mediocre meal. But after the fact, uh, we we said our goodbyes to Grub and Ewan, and then uh, the rest of us went over and we toasted Shannon's birthday, which was uh, Labor Day, yeah. and uh, had a beer and except for Jacob, of course. He had water. The rest of us had a beer and kind of just enjoyed each other's company, kind of debriefed from the weekend, and then uh, went back, and then Monday morning, uh, we actually took Shannon home, so for his birthday, he wanted Cracker Barrel. So (laughs) we stopped at the local Cracker Barrel and had a heart attack on a plate and nice. enjoyed each other's company for a little bit longer and then dropped him off. But no, it was, it really was. I, I said it on the last show and I'll say it again. It, it's it's easily my favorite weekend I've had Yeah, probably ever or damn well close. I mean, it was it was so much fun to see everybody. I got three great sketches. I was thrilled with that. I got a piece from a young guy named Crease Lee, who I think is going to be somebody to watch you know over the next few years yeah this is his first major show and apparently i was his first commission and he was you could tell he was a little nervous looking through the book and he did a tremendous job i got another piece from dean cots that was just amazing yeah and then uh brian smitty smith was there and uh brian was one of the guys we talked to hopefully we'll be on the show soon brian yeah. is a, a guy i've known for a while he worked on intrepid escape Goat, and um and stuff related to this show, he did uh, the Madballs comic. Madballs uh, comic. He, he did a, a Voltron on. book. Uh, yeah, and he, he worked on Stuff A Legend and yes. just a great dude. And I had not seen him in several years, so we had a great time visiting. And uh, So anyway, yeah, I was just I, – like I said, got great sketches, got to see everybody. I got to hang quite a bit with Christy Russo, which was so much fun because I hadn't seen him in a while. And he did a commission for my younger boy, Daniel – who has decided to start a collection of Rush commissions and sketches, nice. the band Rush that yeah. is not Rush Limbaugh. And he did this just unbelievable Hemispheres era. It was like a show poster. It was 11 by 17 with the, the long mustache on, <laughs> on on Neil Peart and their their crazy uh, kimono type get ups and, he just killed it. And what was funny was he wasn't originally not going to show it to anybody. Uh, he was just going to give me – he sent me a picture of it and said, what do you think? And I said, oh, this is great. Hey, by the way, Daniel wants to share it. Do you want to put it out on social media? He goes, I'm kind of – I hadn't thought about it. But yeah, I will. Apparently, he got 10 people after the fact asking him for comparable pieces because they oh, thought it wow. was something he might be doing. So. I told him it's a nice little niche business he might be able to pick up now. Yeah. But and then and not only that, but our good friend Andre, Andre, <laughs> Andre. I had Andre's sketchbooks after the fire drill. Right. I handed it to Chris and I explained the story and I go, "Hey man, look, I did this. Can you do me a solid and put a little?" And he threw a little nice little destro headshot in there for me. Nice. And so Andre got his books. He was psyched because he got a, a sketch he didn't even know he was getting. <laughs> That's awesome. That is awesome. so yeah. It was really really cool. It was just Very a. Cool. It was a great weekend.
2: Yeah, I I, uh, I got a few sketches, uh, so I don't have all, uh, both my sketchbooks because I actually gave Shannon my one sketchbook uh, to draw in, and uh, I think the last time we left off, he's going to do a Danger Mouse sketch for me. Uh, I did tell him if he changed his mind wanted to do something else from the, my eighties list he's welcome to do so uh, I told him i really don't need the sketchbook back until really next Baltimore. So. Sure. <laughs> um and then uh I uh did get a chris uh, g uh Gia Russo, uh sketch which he did three characters for me he did uh he got uh Han chewie and Luke and uh And actually, it looks like a change of of pace here. It looks like Robert Atkins might actually be joining us.
0: Be still my heart.
1: (laughs) Hello. Hey, how's it going? Hey, Mr. Mr.
2: Atkins. Hey, everybody. (laughs) I was, I was, uh, (laughs) I had money, good money against you showing up.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That was
0: Oh,
1: here he goes. That would be a a good bet.
2: So I will say, uh, to Robert's credit, uh, he is not feeling very well at all. Uh, But he did say to us that he knows he's missed several episodes, so he felt obligated to at least come on for a little while with us.
1: Yeah, just to defend myself and nothing else. Good grief. (laughs)
2: So, yes, Andre, who we now know his uh-huh. name, and he will probably forever be immortalized on this show, um, was the one that approached John and said, do you guys <laughs> just pick on Robert? And I had a nice conversation with him in Baltimore explaining that we don't pick on you. We pick on everybody. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and we said that's what friends do. You pick on each other. And Robert sometimes makes himself an uh, easy
1: that's target. That's what so. some friends do. <laughs>
2: <laughs> i've been picked on a few times by you yourself mr atkins no, that's
1: true that's very true <laughs> it was funny i was talking to uh shane simic yesterday yeah uh and i was mentioning that because he he cannot help but just like rib me like crazy like he's always sticking it to me <laughs> All the time, like it's and that. And Laura was like, "He's your friend, right?" I was like, "Yeah." <laughs> Seriously, this guy, you know, he's like a really good friend. And the other thing too, which is crazy, is um, I met him in a very similar way that you guys were talking about how meeting Travis for the first time. Yeah. Uh, which, by the way, I was at that Baltimore. Yeah. I think you. I, you were like, I don't think that was the one Robert was at. That was the one I actually went to where oh, okay. we all shared a room together and Travis. I had to literally step over Travis to get into bed. Right. Because right. he was so that was a, always.
2: We had a lot of conversations around that. Yeah.
1: So. Yeah, because I, I totally had to straddle him almost, like completely just to get Cue into the music. bed. I know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's when that started that that weekend. So. Yeah. And that's when he was like, "Oh, by the way, my nickname's Teabag," and I was like, "What?" <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> that's so anyway okay so but me and shane met in a very similar way well we had met like he had come to my table and gotten sketches from me in the past and his because i did a sketch for him he was a joe fan he has a sketch group called the Cran boys which um started out with one of their friends named Cran, who was collecting sketches and he got all these guys this whole group of friends collecting sketches and then whenever they would go to a show they'd show it off to each other and it's just been a you know, something they've been doing for years and years. And I did a sketch for Shane. And then, of course, I mean, I, I'm just kind of you guys were all talking about conventions and sketches the last couple shows. Yeah. And uh, and it's just one of those things, just like John was saying, like he told all his friends and then they all came to my table. So I was like before I knew it, I had 10 more people getting sketches from me. And so, I mean, we had talked and I appreciated that. And we had two or three years in a row at the same convention. I knew he was a big Joe fan. And I was going out to the Joe con in Rhode Island. And uh, I, I wasn't going to have a friend drive with me out there, but then he had to back out last minute. So I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to drive out to Rhode Island on my own. And Laura was a little worried about that. So I was like, I call him up and I'm like, Hey, this is like on a Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> if I drove through Ohio and picked you up, you want to drive to Rhode Island with me to go to Joe Connie's He's like, Oh, sure. I was like, all right. <laughs> so I drove to Ohio and then stopped at his house. Similar. We talked for about five minutes and hopped in the car and then he drove. And then I fell asleep. within like 30 minutes. <laughs> 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 he drove for a while. Cause I'd been driving for like, you know, whatever, 12 hours or however long it had been. They're not that long. Eight, eight hours maybe. And, um, so I slept a bit, woke up, and uh, I was talking to Laura on the phone after I woke up. And she's like, Did you already stop by Shane's house? And Shane, she had met Shane, I think, once. Okay. And she was realizing that this was the same Shane who always gave me crap at the shows. <laughs> and she's like, Wait a minute. You're going to go and stay with him for a weekend, like in the same hotel room, like you're driving cross country with this guy? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. She's like, how long have you known him? I'm like, well we've talked maybe like 15, 20 minutes. Like at a couple shows. Right. <laughs> she was like, Do you trust this guy? Like she says it real quiet. Yeah. And I'm like, Laura, he's right here. <laughs> like, yeah, I trust him. He's a police officer. And she's like, Oh, well, okay.
2: <laughs> and that's the thing, like that that's the thing I was talking about on the episode. Like us guys, we don't think about that. We're just like, yeah, you want to go hang out? We like the same thing. Let's go. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. And we, like, you know, since I woke up, we chatted the whole weekend. I could not have done that show without him. He was a lifesaver. Like, yeah. that was the busiest show I've ever been. That's the show where I really got to know Larry Hama really well, too, because we were sitting next to each other the whole show, and he just gave me crap the whole show, too. <laughs> and then, uh, and then, you know, we did that show, drove home. I, I, we drove to his house. I spent the night and then drove the rest of the way back and...
2: Well, and okay. I don't think I don't think I mentioned this on the show. I know we talked about it in Baltimore, um, but also part of the story of going out to Baltimore that one time with Travis was that it was Nick, Chuck, myself, and Travis. Mm-hmm. We stopped at a rest stop and you know we got some food and Chuck and Travis went to go use the restroom well when they went to go use the restroom, Nick and I went and moved the car and so when they came <laughs> out, the car was gone. <laughs> We're on the other side of the whole establishment. So if, oh Chuck, if Chuck had not been with Travis, we still would have done the, the same prank. But <laughs> Travis would have thought, holy crap.
3: Oh, man. That's I'm three
2: hours from, like, because we were like three, four hours from home.
3: Oh, my God.
2: I'm three, four hours. My car is at this stranger's house. I, how am I going to get home from here? <laughs> <laughs> So uh, but again it's what you do.
1: So yeah.
2: So yeah, so it was an absolute blast. Now you uh had a convention just recently that you were at instead of coming to Baltimore.
1: I know, man. Um
2: So what did you where were you at?
1: So I went to the Salt Lake Comic Con, um, which has been going on for four years. Uh, my sister Elaine, when she lived out in Salt Lake, was part of the team that started that show. Okay, and its first year, I mean, they had a major, major investor, uh, people that put on conventions anyway, and they partnered with a local like Salt Lake magazine, so it had all the publicity and marketing it needed. Mm -hmm. But the first year, it did sixty thousand people. Wow! uh, And they were not prepared for that. Like they rented out like half the convention center. Um, they were they sold tickets online, and they had um sold out online, but then on the day, people didn't think to order tickets in advance. They just showed up to buy a ticket, right. and there was a line just wrapped around the convention center, and you'd have to wait for two people to leave before you could buy a ticket to go in kind of a wow. thing. It was just – and even some people who had bought tickets in advance
4: yeah.
1: um, you know, had to wait. And so it was – shows that are that big, and New York was like that its first year, yeah. It's, it's just, you, you know, I it's honestly to have, but it's it's always tough. Yeah. You never know what to expect.
2: I honestly thought that that was going to happen at Baltimore this year for Saturday. I thought it was going to be one of those things like if you left, you were not going to be able to come back in because the line, I, I have not heard what the final numbers were, but the line was stretched out forever all day. I'm, I'm talking like wow. at 4 o'clock I went back to the room to drop stuff off and I came back and the line was still as long as it was at like 10 o'clock that morning.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I've so when Elaine put on the show, I mean, certainly she was, uh, you know, willing and and asking to bring me out as a guest. And I was committed to Baltimore that year. And that was the year that we went together. Um, And then uh, the last couple of years, there's always been another show. So I haven't been able to make it. Um, Well, this year they invited me out as a guest and it was before I realized it was the same weekend as, as Baltimore. And so I accept this was back in like February. Right. And, um, anyway, so it happened to be the same. I mean, it's, it's always nice, you know, to be brought out as a guest. Sure. You know, if they're going to pay your way, then obviously your overhead's way less and you're less stressed out about trying to make money over the weekend and you can enjoy the con a bit more. Right. Um, I got to stay with my friend Quinn, um, who we've had on the show before. He's a big Castlevania Ninja Turtle fan. Yep. And, uh, So that was a blast. Just got to stay with him and his family. Um, But I was sick before I went to the show.
2: Oh, geez. uh,
1: Which I just kind of had a chest cold. That's all it really was. But then when you're like shaking hands with thousands of people and getting all their germs on top of it, I'm sure I made a few people sick. Uh, I came back and it just got way worse. So I spent about a week trying to get over it. And then finally, Monday... I was like dead, <laughs> and then Tuesday I couldn't move. And Laura was like, "You just need to go to the doctor." I did, and it turns out I had pneumonia, so yeah. <laughs> it was uh, pretty bad.
2: Yeah, how are you feeling now?
1: A little better since the um, the antibiotics kicked in. You know, it's just that's helped. I've, I've been on that for two days now, so I'm I am feeling better. It's good I'm not traveling again and being in front of a bunch of people. But, yeah. So I'm not going to make the the show this weekend, which I'm so bummed about. Ugh. Yeah, yeah. But anyway.
0: So what else have you been up to, Robert? Because I haven't talked to you in ages. I, no. I'm throwing it out there. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, dude, I didn't. I, I didn't mean to just totally come in and interrupt what you, whatever you got. No, are no you're
0: fine. We, no, just, no, no. Yes, random, it's a problem. I. <laughs> it's a it's a, ran, it's a random episode. So you're. Fine. Okay. <laughs> no, I got a legitimate. No, I don't. I'm kidding. Man. I miss you. I'm glad you're back. Yes. I really do. <clears throat>
2: People were starting to question if you were still a host on the show, like they always do with with Chuck.
1: I know. It's, <laughs> it's just been it's been a crazy, yeah, coincidence of you know issues why I haven't been on either. Um, there's just been stuff going on, or I thought I'd be able to make it and, and whatever. But um, or my wife Shanghai's me thanks Shannon, <laughs> bringing that up. All right.
0: So, well, look, no, no, I, let, let's point out Shane is not here tonight because he is out with Mel at a calligraphy event.
2: Yes, which not I told,
0: a class about how to do calligraphy. A calligraphy event.
2: Which I told him the word "event" should never be used with, along with calligraphy. Uh, that just makes it sound more important than it actually is. So. <laughs>
1: Unless, and, unless calligraphy is code word for something else, we don't even know.
2: Right? Yeah. Like okay. they're, they're doing <laughs> they're doing calligraphy tonight. It's an event.
1: <laughs> anyway, so I like I like Shannon, but I like my wife better. That's all I'm going to say. I
2: I understand that. Okay. So. <laughs> so. <laughs>
1: um. Yeah. I've. Let's see, man. So, like, yeah, I know it's been – oh, gosh, I get I don't even want to think about how long it's been since I've been on the show. It's been too like, long. Like,
0: so what have you been – Like thinking? a Robert Declassified, yeah. wasn't it? Was that the I last know it, one? Yeah. It <laughs> might have been. <laughs>
1: After that, I'm like, I'm done with this show. What
2: <laughs> so, like, anything in particular you've been working on that you want to tell people about or
1: – Yeah. Oh, well, okay. So the project I'm on right now, uh, I'm wrapping up all of those Ninja Turtle covers that I had been doing this last year. I've got one left to do. Uh, I'm doing a metal head. Nice. Um, so I've done all four Turtles, April, Casey, Splinter, Bebop and Rocksteady, Shredder, and then I'm finishing up on Metalhead. So I'm like the whole cast of like the best characters. Yeah. That has been a blast to do. So that's been a lot of fun. Um, and I'm wrapping that up. I've got – I've been doing like a handful of Xenoscope covers lately. I um, saw that, yeah. Now, typically, Xenoscope's not – you know, obviously, just like they have a brand and they cool. have – uh, a certain type of cover that they typically put out. And it's not the kind of work that I do. You know, so a lot of times
2: it's let's just it's, say what it is. It's scantily clad women. They <laughs> what <we> do. <laughs> yeah. It's
1: like the cheesecake pinup, you know, yeah. kind of uh, good girl superhero art. Right. Right. Um, and, and they asked, you know, if I wanted to do some, some things and I said, well, I have time uh, to try and fit it in, but you know, there's certain covers that I'm just not really interested in drawing. And and I don't and I think to be honest like it's not my strong suit. Like every artist has a forte and and things that they would prefer to work on. And drawing like sexy women just isn't my thing. I like to draw sexy dudes. <laughs> <laughs> Gillette, right? I know barrel-chested dudes, man. That's what I'm about. So anyway.
2: <laughs> it's a good so, thing you're married otherwise that would have really made people question things.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, uh I was like, You guys don't know me. So <laughs> The um, wife
2: and the two kids is just a cover.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, so uh they so they're like they've had kind of a run of books um that, you know, like they're basic how do I say this like they're kind of I don't want to say this in a negative way, they're kind of retreads of uh like genre characters, right? Yeah. So you have like uh, they have a they have a book called Death Force, which is very much like a Punisher type, yeah. right? And they've got and I'm drawing a guy with like dragon tattoos that's like a kung fu master. I'm like, well, that's basically Iron Fist, you know? Yeah. There's uh, I'm doing, you know, like the Robin Hood character is like a female arrow, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, so they're not like. Mints in a bottle, you know, like they know what they're doing.
2: But well, the, the one, time. the one cover I know, because I once I found out you were doing some of those covers, I actually uh, was already getting the one series because yeah. it seemed interesting, even though I knew it was just kind of a ripoff of Justice League was the evil heroes. Yeah. Um. And and just the story seemed interesting. It didn't seem like the typical Zenoscope thing to do. Um. So I was like, I was interested in that. And they also did another series that's going to be. It, I the first issue hasn't come out, but it's more like ghost hunters type thing. And I'm like, this is not like typical Xenoscope either. So I'm wondering if they're kind of trying to reinvent themselves a little bit.
1: Well, and so that's, that's what I understand is that they, they're, they're starting to kind of stretch out their line. Like they'll still have the same titles that they've had before. Sure. Because they've built up that fan base. Um, But they are trying to kind of expand what their line is like and and start to compete with some of those. uh, Just give other options. You know what I mean? Like you can do, it's kind of like the book Invincible for Image. He could do things with those superhero characters because they haven't had this 60-year history. Right. Like, that you just can't get away with doing with Superman or Batman or yeah. Green Lantern because there'd be a fan uproar. Yeah. You know what I mean? You can take a different spin on... That's exactly what the, the authority was and what the what the ultimates were.
4: Yeah.
1: Um, it was a chance for them to kind of turn that genre on its head and do new things. Well. If you're Zenoscope or Dynamite or IDW, you can just do that. Just create a team that is, for the most part, you know, cutouts of these other well-known genre characters. But then you have the freedom to kind of do whatever you want.
2: Crazy stuff with them. Yeah, and and the thing was, like, they made no... Like, they weren't hiding the fact that they were pretty much ripping off these other characters. Because, like, the, the covers to Evil Heroes, like, there's a character that... They show in a silhouette, looks like Superman. There's another character that looks like Wonder Woman. I mean, it's pretty yeah. obvious. But to your point, like that's something that can be interesting because they can do stuff with those characters that you cannot do with DC or Marvel. Um, yeah. It's one of the reasons why I think a lot of people liked the Injustice books and stories. I like them for this reason uh, that were based on the video game, uh, right. Justice God, Gods Among Us, is they were able to do things to the characters in those comics that, because it was an alternate reality, that you couldn't do. Even though it was those same characters, and they still acted the same way in a lot of respects. I mean, spoiler alert: in the first few issues of the Injustice series, uh, Superman or Joker kills Lois Lane, and Superman gets really angry and punches a fist through Joker's chest. <laughs> Like yep. you, you can't do that in a, in the regular DC universe, but you can do it in this universe. And
1: I mean, maybe in a Zack Snyder movie, but right. not. in the
2: car. <laughs>
1: <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, I mean, and that's exactly it. So when they, when they were coming to me with this, I was like, yeah, this sounds interesting because this is a chance for me to draw superheroes. And I love, absolutely love the superhero genre
3: mm-hmm. as
1: much as I love doing G.I. Joe, and martial arts choreography, I love all of that equally. So, um, so yeah, I was like, yeah, this is great. I, you know, I've got a chance to do like action-oriented covers, and um, I've done eight or nine of them, I think, this last year for them. So I'm working on one right now. So it's, uh, so I've i really enjoyed it. The, um, and then so uh, and then the main book I'm on right now is a book called Red Dog, which. Uh, I kind of landed this job last year when I went to New York Comic Con. Um, I had a connection. I did a one-page part of this 45-page anthology like six years ago. Maybe maybe seven years ago. Long, long time ago. It was just one page for this writer in England. And he emailed me. He's seen my stuff on DeviantArt and said, hey, would you like to do one page? And he paid like, you know, Marvel DC rates, very comparable, good rates. And I was like, yeah, I can totally fit that in. So I did it, turned it in. And uh, the book came out. And it was just like, it was a really cool concept. The book, the book is called 45. If you ever get a chance to get it, it's a really cool read. It's basically, uh, the world is getting introduced to superheroes through all different kinds of ways. You know, mutants are emerging, the whole scientific experiment issues, there's enhanced beings through technology and science and magic, all this kind of stuff. And so it's this reporter, uh, I guess maybe in a similar way to the Marvel's book that Alex Ross did years ago. Oh yeah. Okay. So it's from the point of view, like there it was this kind of photographer and reporter. This is about this guy who has just become a father and he's a reporter and he's trying to write a story basically for his son, you know, being like, this is the world you're being born into. Right. And, you know, this wasn't around when I was a kid, but this is the life that you're going to have. And so he interviews all of these superpowered beings. Some of them are villains. And it's interesting on the left. As you open the book, there's 45 separate interviews. And on the when you open the book on the left side is the written interview. So like if you read it in an article. And on the right side is a sequential page. Sometimes it's just a splash page. But for the most part, it's a sequential page that kind of tells the story of that character's origin. And there's no dialogue on wow. the sequential page. So it's all like silent storytelling. Right. So it's a really fun, neat concept. Just a one-shot, 45 pages. I don't know if you can find it.
4: You yeah, know, it just, like,
1: it. So uh, that was really interesting. So I just did one page for this guy. It worked out fine. Uh, he mailed me a copy and then that's the last I heard from him. <laughs> so last year in New York, he came by my table. And I'm, I'm like, he introduced himself, re- reminded me how we'd work together. And I was like, oh my gosh, yeah. So we chatted a bit and he introduced me to um, uh, a guy that's working with 451 Publishing, which is a new publisher.
4: Yeah.
1: Um, it's interesting how little I know about this company. <laughs> <laughs> even after I've worked with them for about half a year now. But they, from what I understand, is they were like a technology company. They created apps and all, did all kinds of digital things. But they would also create um, like published content based on the technology they were doing. So they had a, a, a small publishing arm to their technology company. Okay, that aside. Then you've got Michael Bay Productions. So Michael Bay from... Uh, you know, Transformer, Ninja Turtle Fame.
2: All those wonderful movies we love. Yeah.
1: Yes. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, I mean, he's a major player. And so he uh, gets his production company gets scripts all day long, all year long. Right. So people submit scripts to him, other directors, other screenwriters. He has literally thousands of scripts in his office and production studios that they're going through to try and find the next thing to produce. Right. Right. Well, obviously he can't make a movie out of every one of these. Um, even the, even some of the good ones you know he's trying to sell it to his production company or to investors and uh, you know but he can't if you think about the overhead cost of creating a comic book versus creating even a pilot of a TV show sure uh, and then it's a drop in the bucket compared to a movie, yeah, especially a big budget a Michael Bay movie. So to produce one comic book at like Marvel DC rates, you're looking at 30 to $40,000 up front. Okay. So that's for everything to go into getting that book onto the shelf. Right. Um, now a pilot to a movie can cost anywhere between a hundred thousand to a million dollars or a pilot to a TV show. Sorry. Especially if it's a well-crafted one. Uh, and then you're looking at movies like a cheap Deadpool movie, Is 60 million. Right. You know what I mean? And that's them like scraping by. Right. So, of course, the the cheapest route is to make a comic book. If you want to see this script in visual form, you're basically getting discount storyboards.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So, (laughs) which I just makes me feel like crap that I'm a discount storyboard artist. (laughs) But anyway, uh, so they're paying actually really good rates, very comparable and even more than. I would get a Marvel, so which is good. It's a good gig, but um, so uh, so well, for and here, pl-
2: here's the thing: yeah. the the comp issues you get if those get turned into a movie. Well, now you've had it made because you just <laughs> sell those, and we've seen how comic book rates go way up when a movie is a, all of a sudden announced because everyone wants wants to get their hands on the issue. So,
1: yeah, it's it's interesting. We're we're gonna see how things really develop because there's a movie production studio behind all this i don't think there's anybody else that's in a similar situation but yeah so uh michael bay reached out they had whatever connections reached out to 451 and they've invested in that to create a comic publisher through their publishing armor this technology company so anyway um so that could all be wrong But as far as I know, that's the way it
3: is. (laughs) So
1: so there's the disclaimer. I could just be talking out of my butt from what I heard from four different people, three different stories. Like that's what I've compiled together anyway. Gotcha. Um, All I know is that I have to turn in pages to this one dude and then I get paid. And um, and there. So we've we're working on. Now, it has been interesting. It's an interesting challenge. The, the, The very basic premise of the story is that it's a sci fi book set in the future on a different planet it still has connections to earth but it's this like a small mining operation on this distant planet um it's it's been a really interesting challenge um but i found i quickly found out that i had to do a lot of design and because everything is from scratch it's a brand new property sure um i have to create the character the main characters i got to see what they look like but not only that like If they wanted to use a forklift, you can't just use, I can't just look up reference on a forklift and draw that. Like, I've got to create a robot that does the same job as the forklift, but it's a robot, you know, that is... uh, And you got to
2: make sure you're not making something that looks like something else that's already been out there.
1: No, yeah. I mean, uh, that is incredibly hard. Um, But... And then not only that, so if I design the buildings that they work in, then it makes sense that technology form follows function, right? So I'm going to be designing based on what it does, but also the aesthetic of the world around them. So it has to look like it fits in that world, believably, right? So you wouldn't take, um, you know, if you have, you know what I mean? It's just like, I'm trying to think of the equivalent, Uh,
2: you don't want a hodgepodge of a bunch of things that don't really work
4: together.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it, if you, uh, what I mean like is if you put a star Trek shuttle in a star Wars movie, it's just not going to,
2: Yeah, be, you, you, you don't I mean? do, you don't do that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you don't cross those streets. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, I just, it's just something I have to be aware of. I have to be mindful. So there's a lot of design that goes into this and then, you know, I'm creating a new world, trying to set a visual tone for this. Uh, I can't – as much as I'm trying to describe it, and maybe eventually I'll be able to put it to words, but I'm finding it it's very different working on a book that is adapted from a screenplay than if it came – like a, a, a script that came from Colin Bunn or, or Chuck Dixon or other art writers that I've worked with. Gotcha. Um, that just were intended as a, uh, a comic book script and you know, developed as that and sent to me as that. Right. In this process, the writer, the screen, the screenwriter for this is Rob Cohen, who is a director, screenwriter, like he direct, he wrote and directed Dragonheart back in the nineties. Okay. Directed like X, the Vin Diesel movie, and yeah, other stuff. Okay, anyway, so he's good pals with Michael Bay.
2: <laughs> um, <laughs> I would never see that coming exactly. with what?
1: those <laughs> movies. Yeah, <weird. laughs> anyway, so he's the writer, um, which you know that carries its own amount of clout and and stuff because he's a, an established. You know, Hollywood director. Sure. Uh, and then my friend who did the 45, the book, the anthology, is adapting that screenplay to a comic book script. Oh, wow. And there's somewhere in that translation where it feels different to me. And I really want to kind of analyze this as I'm working on the project because it's, this is where you really get into the craft of sequential art. You know, what is it that makes a, a comic book different from other mediums? What makes the script different from a prose novel versus a screenplay versus a stage play? You know what I mean? Like, right. it's all story, but the format has to come across different because the presentation is different, right? Yeah. So, it's been interesting. It's been a really neat intellectual kind of educational study as I've been working on this. So, I'm really trying to work through that, but... Uh, Anyway, so we're uh, the first issue's in the bag. Second issue is done. Um, we're well. I'm working on the final pages now. Um, so we're we had some weird hangups. Uh, like I talked to them in New York last year, but we didn't really get started until like February, I think. And even then, I started, and they're like, "Hold up, we're doing a screenplay rewrite." So the, <laughs> the screenplay for the movie got rewritten.
4: Oh
2: jeez.
1: Which of course, then that has to get rewritten adapted and then I have to go back and change my pages and I'm like right so it's that's the only downside is you are working with a movie production company and their schedules and they're like we need three pages by tomorrow because Michael Bay's got an 8 o'clock and I'm like screw Michael Bay (laughs) (laughs) because that's not happening (laughs) so anyway
2: I'm definitely using that soundbite for any future Michael Bay (laughs) movies (laughs) (laughs)
1: oh man
2: so no that sounds awesome though that sounds like a really cool thing i mean like you said it has its own challenges of course but
1: yeah it's i mean there's it's the most challenging project i've uh, okay i've had two really hard projects in my career the first was when i did america's army yeah that was hard because it it was so specific. It's everything so
2: be, real, yeah.
1: Everything had to be spot on detail, and I was doing so many revisions. I've never done so many revisions. But um, and then this one, which is different, uh, not not a pain. It's just so creatively challenging because I again I've got to design literally everything in this world, and that's becoming way more time consuming than any other job, right? Like, sequential job I've worked on, and so I'm dealing with. Page taking almost twice as long at times if I've got to if, got, if I've got to do all that designing and then on top of that uh, you know just you know just the the daily rigor of kind of getting sequential pages done so that's put us behind a bit and I'm just like man I didn't realize how hard this would be on <laughs> 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 each each issue gets easier and faster as I've developed the characters you know and the yeah. style. They but, um,
2: they kind of take a life on their, of their own at that point, then. Yeah,
1: exactly. And I think getting getting the people I'm working with to understand that, and you know, all of the behind the scenes challenges that get into you know come into play when you're working on production. Right. Anyway, but it's been it's been fun. It's a job I've, I've been happy to do. Um, and it looks like the first issue will be out in November. Uh, there's been loads of like pre-release reviews through various sites, and they've all been really good. So, oh, cool. We're excited about it.
0: Very cool. Um, hey, so, Robert, I'm sorry, I went back and looked. So, you're, the last time you were on was when we had Brian Shearer on. So, oh, I am right. curious. Can you tell me a little bit about how your experience was? What you remember from Rollout Roll Call?
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. So, in oh man, so this must have been like in June. Yeah. So that was on late that June. Right. Yeah. Because I went to Rollout Roll Call over my birthday. Um. Well, that's when i got stranded in minneapolis <laughs> for a day <laughs> so i was supposed to fly to london uh roll out roll call for anybody who doesn't know is the gi joe transformers convention run by dave tree uh in london in uh, in the uk uh the first time i went was in 2011 uh and it was in southampton for a couple of days lord my wife came with me and then through uh, Ryan's advice, like we were able to <laughs> survive London for a, a, almost a week. And um, and that was a really awesome show. So I've been really wanting to get back and do it again. And it just kind of worked out that this year I could, I could do that. So this year it was held in London uh, and, and it was three days. Well, like two days and a preview night, really. I thought it was like three full days, but the first night was basically, hey, everybody come and get your badges. And sure. and check out you know the the convention floor or whatever. Um, and then so I was going to go out a few days early, and I <laughs> everything was going smooth. I got into Minneapolis, and I got off the plane a little late. Got to the gate on time, but then they had overbooked the flight, and I had pulled the lucky straw, I guess, or something. And they're like, "We're overbooked," so. Uh, you can't make this flight. So the options were, no matter what, I was going to stay overnight. because so this was like a 10 o'clock flight, and I was going to fly overnight, you know?
4: Yeah.
1: Uh, so they were like, uh, you can either fly to Detroit at like 6 in the morning and then get over there, or just take this exact same flight tomorrow. I was like, oh, I really don't want to have to fly to Detroit <laughs> at 6 <laughs> in the morning. So I was like, I'll just take this flight tomorrow. That meant I literally had a 24-hour layover in Minneapolis. And, and they paid me like a thousand bucks. So I was like, yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> so I didn't have to be there sooner. Um, and, you know, it was a thousand bucks. So I, I took that. And then, so I just spent the day, I just went to the mall of America for a day.
3: <laughs> nice.
1: So that was a lot of fun. And it was like less than a mile away from my hotel. So that worked out perfect. Um, so that was that was fun it was, and then that was on my birthday so I'm just walking around the mile of, Mall of America alone <laughs> on my birthday <laughs> It's like this is weird this is like the weirdest birthday I've ever had so then um, I got out there just fine the next day and met up with Brian the show itself was very interesting it's very much a toy show okay and yeah. and Dave does a great job like taking care of the artists and doing everything he can to promote the artists um, but it's just like Joe Con it's not a comic convention right so typically people aren't there to go and buy sketches uh or buy original art they might want to come and talk to you and have you sign things and they might even buy some prints but generally they're there to talk toys and it's like a family reunion you know it's like a a a social get-together it's a chance for everybody to come together surrounded by the stuff they love and have a fun weekend, um, which is great. It's it's a great experience. It's not typically the best moneymaker for an artist to go and do those shows. um, But that doesn't mean it's not worth it either, you know, because we go to shows for a number of reasons. Making money is one of them. It's not always the most important one. It kind of depends on what you're going for, you know. Sure. So I went, and it was at this really interesting Indian hotel. So Indian-run, Indian... design and, and interior design motifs it was very indian <laughs> but uh but interesting and we were like the main hall was kind of like this atrium which is a very strange space but it was still pretty cool they had um oh and i'm totally gonna forget their names they had uh morgan lofting right was the voice of the baroness uh-huh. yep so she was there and then uh, uh, I can't forget. Neil Ross? Yes. Yeah, he was the voice for, like, uh, Shipwreck and... Um, Break... No, not Breaker. Uh, the guy who drove the Slugger. Who's that?
2: Oh, uh... That... No, it's not Grand Slam. Uh, I'll look it up. So...
1: Um, anyway, so... And he did a bunch of Transformers voices, too. So, um... So that was cool to have them there, and I got to chat with them again, especially Morgan. I've met with her a few times, so that was a lot of fun. Um, and she is so nice. If you guys get a chance to meet her, she it will just chat with anybody, and she is just so fun to, to talk with. So.
2: It was Thunder.
1: Thunder, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and he did, let's see, Monkey Wrench, I believe. Uh, he was the voice of Monkey Wrench, one of the Dreadnoughts, and uh, a lot of the. Uh, so and a, and a few um, transformers as well. So leading up to the show, I Dave asked if I wanted to do like a <laughs> a variant cover for the tran- GI Joe Transformers comic because the last issue of that series was coming out the same month that the convention was. Right. And so I was like, sure, I'm the biggest fan of this. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, not really. But you're
2: the biggest fan of the concept behind it <laughs> of, the
1: co- of these two properties, <laughs> not the book. Um, but I was like, I would love to do a cover to make this look like a good book. <laughs> oh snap! <laughs> <laughs> let me wow. Take <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, basically, let me draw this cover uh, because I would love this job, you know, kind of thing. So
2: this is um, what I would do if you had hired me. If you had
1: hired me to do it. So, anyway, uh, that was a lot of fun to do. So I did it similar to the the two covers I did for J.I. Joe 200 and, and Transformers 100. Yeah. That kind of double double page, you know, kind of thing. And uh, so we got uh, DCBS and Trades to kind of co-sponsor that book. Um, so I know if you want to get that variant that I did, you can get it through uh, DCBS or Trades. It's on their site. So, um, so that was a lot of fun. The... Uh, Anyway, but it was a good show. It was a good, basically two day show, um, and then I spent the next day and a half kind of hanging out with Brian, uh, just in London. So it was a blast. It was a lot of fun.
0: And Chris, right?
1: Yeah, his friend Chris, who is a hoot. He is so funny, man. <laughs> that guy. We had we had so much fun. It was it was pretty
2: nice. Well, I will also say, going back to the earlier conver- conversation, uh, Red Dog from Four Five One Studios. Uh, like you said, it is coming out in November. You can pre-order it now. Um, it's on DCB service uh, at 45% off, which, oh, cool. is, which is awesome. It's one of four, so it's a four-issue mini. Um, and I'll read the description here that they have, so if someone's interested. But it says, uh, some say there there's no great love in no greater love in the universe than the love of a boy uh, boy has for his dog. For Kyle, the only kid living amongst 200 grown-ups on a distant mining colony light years away from Earth, that saying is a given. Welcome to Kirawan, uh, a planet that Kyle calls the worst place you could ever imagine. Kyle stumbles through his days doing his chores, hoping to live up to the steep demands of his father, the head of the planet's mining operation. Still, it's not all bad. There's Q, Kyle's robotic canine, basically the greatest pet in the known universe. However, during an upload of resources bound for Earth, the alien natives of Kirawan launch a full-scale attack on the human miners. Welcome to the world of Red Dog, the new groundbreaking adventure series from the screenwriter of Fast and the Furious and Triple X. So, I have that pre-ordered now. (laughs) (laughs)
1: I didn't, so it's funny I I didn't, I had heard that it was A six issue series, so they might be Adjusting it, yeah, it's interesting Because it was, it'll be Four issues, but they'll be oversized Issues, the first issue is 28 pages The second issue is 28 pages, I believe The third issue is going to be 36 pages And the fourth issue is going to be 48 pages, so like It's the same amount of content, but they're Squeezing it down to four issues Because when you say something is four issues, then more people are willing to, yeah, try it out. Right. You know, some people don't want to hang on to a twelve issue maxi series like right. and Be that committed. They, if if they want to just try something out, then they'll they'll commit to a four issue whatever. Yeah. But sure. it's basically the equivalent of a six issue story.
4: Okay.
1: It's based on the screenplay. There's a beginning, middle, and end. Yeah. You can't. You can only cut so much out.
4: <laughs> right. Right.
1: So. I don't oh. know if and now I can't I can't do forty eight pages in a month so I'm guessing the first issue will come out there'll probably be a bit of a break yeah you know, it might be in every other month yeah that it comes out because I just can't imagine how I don't know why they solicited it so early to be honest but yeah that's not my that's not my business but yeah no.
2: but yeah it's
4: uh...
1: so if there's delays it's not because
4: <laughs>
2: not ruining,
1: it's not because I'm ruining this book well that might be the case but. It's not because. Uh, anyway, they're trying. It's a strange format. Like they're yeah. cramming in a lot of pages, and I don't know how it's going to come out. So we'll yeah. see.
2: And then the cover artist is uh, W. Scott Forbes, uh, which I haven't heard that name before, but.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I, I did a I did a cover for it, but so I'm. There's probably like a cover, B cover, retailer incentive, that type of stuff.
2: Yeah, um, this does have a well. It does have a, a second cover showing here. Uh, for number one, but that one's by Tom Vellas.
1: Yeah. It's, is it the red one with like the wires? Yeah. The, yeah. That's super cool.
2: Yeah. Very cool. So,
1: Hey, I, I'm, I was
2: a I'm not buying it just cause of you. I'm also buying it because of story of a boy and his dog. That's, that was, <laughs> that was me growing up. So uh, that's cool. So that sounds like a cool concept. So, yeah, so we were actually talking about some uh, some artists that we got sketches from at, oh, cool. at Baltimore. So uh-huh. uh, so right when you jumped on, I mentioned that I got a uh, commission from Chris DiRusso of uh, Han, Luke, and Chewie. <laughs> and uh, it's in my Star Wars book, of course. And I actually brought that one home with me and was able to take a picture and posted it on Facebook and everything. Um, I was like... He's like, well, who do you want me to draw? I was like, you can draw any Star Wars character you want. He's like, okay, well, if you had to pick one, who would you pick? (laughs) And I said, well, why don't we do, like, a trio of characters? I was like, you know, I don't have any of the original characters in my sketchbook yet. Like, no one's done Han, no one's done (laughs) Leia or Luke or Chewie or any of the original characters. Um, So I said, could we do a trio of them? And I almost said Han, Luke, and Leia. And, but right. then I decided to go with Han, Luke, and Chewie. So, um,
3: cool.
2: And it came out awesome. Like it was a brilliant piece. Uh, and, and, I was absolutely floored by it. So. And
0: I and I should point out I mentioned something on the last show, kind of in passing, but we've known Chris for a long time. He is he is he's such a great guy, and uh, his G-Man book is just absolutely amazing. Um, but uh, it was funny because he. Jacob had not seen him in a few years, and Jacob's now a little older and a little wiser. and So they were sitting there talking, and and Chris said to him, he goes, you know, it would be really funny this weekend if you just walk by and tell me my stuff sucks or is really bad when somebody's standing here. (laughs) And so here's this 15-and-a-half-year-old kid walks by, and he stops, and he goes, this is all crap. (laughs)
3: <laughs>
0: and Chris is like, yeah, thanks, man. He's like, no, seriously, this is crap. And he'd walk away. And, and like the first person, he's like, the person looked at him. He's like, and, and Chris kind of like, oh, I know that guy. He's just kidding. Well, then later, he, he like the second day, he's like, no, I stuck to it, Dad. He goes back and he goes, this is crap. And this lady standing there and looking it, and she thought he was kidding. He goes, no, seriously, man, this stuff is garbage. What are you? What is this? This is crap. And Chris is like, Well, I appreciate you. No, no, you don't understand. This is crap. <laughs> Why are you here? And I'm I'm like, and so as Heidi, my wife said, you know, thanks for contributing to my son's jackassery because <laughs> he's telling <this laughs> <kid to> be- <laughs> <laughs> It was so funny. And of course I wasn't there, but he's like, Oh yeah, he told me to totally do it. And Chris just thought it was the funniest thing ever. He's like, Yeah, man, this stuff's crap. And he just walked <laughs> he's the man that's all there is to it Chris well, is the yeah, man. yeah
2: and and this stuff is definitely not crap it's, it's
0: it is not not at all he, it he is, is
2: amazing
0: he is incredibly talented dude and and just a he is a great guy and we we did have a it was it was really fun hanging with him but yeah I just it was so funny because Jake got home and he's like yeah mean t- daddy told me to just say this stuff's crap and I, <laughs> I stuck with it and this is all it's all crap why are you why are you here this is crap. <laughs> <It's> the best <laughs>
2: oh man uh and we are planning on having him on the show uh hopefully in the near future uh for an episode because i especially uh, if you can't tell from that sense of humor he'll probably be a blast to have on the show so <laughs> um and then i got uh, a sketch from dean cots who like you mentioned john is probably the unofficial artist of star joe's um <laughs> because we we I've gotten some from last year, which was an amazing uh, Captain Rex piece. So this year, I gave him my 80s book and uh, I gave him my whole list of 80s characters that he could draw. And he was like, um, he looked through it and he came across uh, Defenders of the Earth. And he's like, is the Phantom from Defenders of the Earth different from the Phantom of the comic books? And I was like, absolutely not. It's the exact same purple plaid clad character, not purple plaid, purple clad. <laughs> uh, <laughs> purple plaid would be interesting though. Is
1: he a Phantom in plaid? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Scottish Defender.
2: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, um, so he's like, all right, I'll draw him. So, uh, so he he drew this amazing he, he, I gave it to him near the middle of the day or so, and uh, he did it overnight and did this amazing piece. Uh, unfortunately, since Shannon has my my sketchbook right now, uh, I wasn't I wasn't thinking ahead of time to take a picture of it or anything like that. But once I get it back, I will definitely take a picture of it and post it. Um, but it was absolutely amazing. It's it's the Phantom at night, and he. Um, there's bats flying in front of the moon and, and everything is absolutely incredible. Um and then uh he so since he picked the Phantom, I went to another artist who we met last year named uh Charles Stewart the Third. And I asked him if he'd be willing to do one that I was expecting uh to get my sketchbook, you know, back. This was uh you know, I said I probably won't have it till tomorrow, but I want to get a sketch from you. And he was like, yeah, that'd be great. So he looked at the list and he's like, man, I really want to draw He-Man. But he says, you don't have He-Man on the list. You have Battle Cat and you have Man at Arms. And I was like, well, you could draw He-Man on Battle Cat if you want. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so uh, he, decided, he just decided to do He-Man. He's like, if, do you mind if I just do He-Man because I have a pose in mind and everything else? I was like, that's fine. I was like... I don't care if an artist wants to pick a completely different character. I just still want it to be, you know, in the 80s genre and everything else. Mm -hmm. So he did this really cool He-Man where he's, like, looking down on you. Like, so it's a full-body figure, and it's as if you're at his feet looking up at him. Um, So it was a really cool piece. Um, He did a weird thing, though. That was the only thing that was unusual that I've never heard of an artist do. He charged an extra $5 to draw in my sketchbook. So if you have a sketchbook, he charges oh. extra five dollars to put it in a sketchbook, which seems weird to me, because obviously if it's in a sketchbook, I'm not looking to like resell it or something like that. Because yeah,
0: that's true. yeah it, it, it's interesting because that came up. That you may not have been there, uh, Ryan. We were talking about that, but I was actually talking to an artist because I had us. had my one of my friend's sketchbooks with me, and I had. Uh, he had sent me money to have that person do a particular piece in the book. Yeah. And when they started working on it, they couldn't get – this person wanted watercolor. The sketchbook did not hold watercolor. And so they ended up doing something a little different. It was tremendous, and my buddy was thrilled with what he got. But as I was talking to him, I said, well, you know, there's somebody charging more money down the the hallway there for doing a sketchbook. And they laughed, and they said, you know – the way I look at it is, I'll figure out how to work with the materials you give me. It just made me more difficult than what I typically do. Gotcha. Yeah. And so I thought that was interesting because I've never had. That was the first time I've ever seen anybody do that or yeah. a- ask that up front. But their point, their position was, hey, if you hand me a sketchbook and it doesn't, the paper isn't what I'm used to working in or the materials I have don't work. I've got to figure out how to make it work. Sure. So that was interesting because I've never that – makes That's sense. never come up before.
4: Yeah.
0: I, yeah, I just thought it would – and they said they, – they even said, well, you know, a couple <laughs> times I've had to tell somebody, hey, it's going to cost you a little more because i got to do X, Y, and Z.
4: Right. So,
0: yeah, it was interesting. But like you said, it's the first time I've ever seen anybody price out. Yeah. On a sign, hey, I'm going to charge you more. Maybe it's a conversation you have with somebody say, "Hey, this paper is not what I'm used to. This paper slick sketch covers, especially the old school sketch covers uh, are horrible yeah. to deal with." And and I Robert knows that much better than I do, but yeah. you know, some of the especially the first first yeah. set of you know, those sketch covers that came out were just slick yeah. and didn't work worth a lick. So,
2: And I certainly didn't mind paying, you know, it's only five bucks extra. And, and I certainly didn't mind. I felt like I totally got my money's worth. The guy is an amazing artist. You should definitely check him out. Again, he's someone that I, I mentioned to him at the show. I was like, hey, and he's a younger guy. So he, you know, he knows the 80s stuff, but he didn't grow up with it. So I just told him, I was like, if you like to come on the show sometime, kind of, you know, promote your your artwork and stuff like that, you know, and we could just talk you know, talk about eighties stuff. He's like, yeah, that'd be sweet. So um so we might have him on sometime, but he was really cool. I'd love to have Dean on sometime. Um to since again he's he's done such amazing pieces. The piece he did for Grubb in his his sketchbook was unreal. Um yeah. it was it was the Rebels uh basically being invaded by the Imperials, like the blockade runner scene. Um, and it was just, it was absolutely incredible. So, and then, so that's all, that's all the sketches I got. I didn't get a whole lot of commissions. Um, I did, you know, I got a few little sketches inside some of the, some of my books that I was taking for autographs. So like I got um, uh, Mark uh, Buckingham, he signed my Fables Deluxe Hardcover, oh, and, he cool. drew, and he drew a little uh, head sketch in there, uh, right. just a real quick one, but it looked so beautiful and awesome. And then uh, I got, uh, of course, meeting Kevin Eastman was a huge highlight for me, and he drew a quick turtle head sketch. Um and then and then, of course, hopefully he's gonna come on the show. Uh that would be
3: awesome.
2: Yeah, that would be amazing. Uh, but then I took uh this must be a new thing because I remember Brian J. L. Glass does this for when you buy one of his books. He learns how to draw a character. He's not very good at it because, of course, he's a writer. Uh, but he for every volume he learns to draw a different character for that particular volume. And I found out this time that a couple of the other writers draw a little sketch in there. And one of them was Greg Pak, who I brought my Planet Hulk hardcover for. And he was like, would you like me to draw a Hulk head in here? And I was like, sure. So he drew, drew this big Hulk head in there, and it was just hilarious. It, <laughs> um, and uh, I do have some pictures I'll have to send to you guys to so you can see them. And I'll post them on Facebook as well. But uh, and then Fred Van Lente, uh, who we've had on the show, he uh, he, I had a deluxe hardcover for Archer and Armstrong, and he drew this little pic- hilarious picture of Armstrong holding a bottle of hooch and, and everything. So, um, so that must be a thing that you know some of the writers are trying to do when they go to the conventions now. Like, hey, I, I'm not an artist, but I'll draw a little silly sketch in your your thing. So. Well, I
1: think it. I think it. It is tough for writers. I mean, they're, they're there to. They could sign books and they can talk to people, but it's kind of, you know, they see that there's so much more interaction with an artist typically because if you're waiting for a sketch, you can hang around and chat with them all day long.
4: Yeah.
1: Um, if you know what I mean, it's just. I think for a writer, I think sometimes are reluctant to set up at shows, even if they're a big name writer, because it's kind of like, well, what am I going to do Just sit there and.
2: Yeah. You know, sign yeah. things
1: for people. So anyway.
2: and I finally got my uh meeting with Paul Levitz. Uh I've gone to three Baltimore cons and <laughs> each time he's there, but he's not at his table. Oh, man. <laughs> and <laughs> finally, I finally had everyone scoping out like when they see him at the table, please text me. And uh finally someone uh I can't remember who reached out to me. It may have been JP, it may have been Travis, reached out to me and said, Hey, Paul Levitz is at his table right now. So I rushed over there. I had uh, the Great Darkness uh, saga for Legion of Superheroes. It's His writing is what got me into Legion of Superheroes. Um, I told him that and I says you know for three years I've been wanting to meet you and he goes and he, he was super nice and and he was like I apologize he says you know as a writer it's tough for me to you know I'll get a little bit of a, a group of a line and I'll sign stuff and then everyone goes away and I'm sitting here twiddling my thumbs for a long time so he says so I walk around the convention floor and and everything else, and hey, I don't blame him. The guys earned the right to do that. So, uh, but it was it was an awesome moment to finally meet him, get his autograph, and thank him for for all of his stuff that he's done over the years. So,
0: yeah, and we should point out too that as a follow up to the last episode, we were able to finally score. Travis's Garcia Lopez sketch.
2: Yes, you oh,
0: yes. you actually won the auction. I yes, guess. yes, I did. Or the, or the or the the lottery. Yeah.
1: So thing. um, I did So yeah, how that happened? Last I heard, he couldn't get one. Right. Right. So that was part of the episode is he couldn't get one. So right.
2: Well. So the next day, we again put our names in <laughs> for, the, for the raffle because that's how he does it. He you yeah. get a raffle ticket and everything else, and then they call you. Well, he <laughs> called me. And I didn't have Travis's book because Travis also put his name in, you know, and he didn't know who was going to get called and everything else.
0: Well, and we should point out, he wanted it in a sketchbook as opposed to a loose
2: right. sketch. Yeah. So, yeah, he wa- he has a bound edition of all of these Firestorm comics. <laughs> oh, yeah. And so he wanted it in there. So I'm calling Travis, and I, I actually said to John, because John was with me, and I go, I go, well... You know, for a guy that really wants a Garcia Lopez piece, he's not keeping his phone handy right now. (laughs) And finally, he calls me back and I told, you know, because I just it was going to get down to the point where I wanted to make sure I got on, you know, got to the table early enough uh, before they moved on to someone else's name. Because I did answer the phone and told him I was coming. But, you know, who knows how long they were going to wait. Travis did get me the the book in time because I was just going to go and just have him draw Firestorm and whatever. Well, yeah. he got me the book in time. I took it over there. I was, I think, the first name on the list. So I thought, okay, he's going to get this done pretty quickly. Um, yeah, it was hours and hours later. We went to lunch. And, like, I actually went over to the table, like, before we went to lunch and was just kind of, like, just kind of curious I because I have to actually leave today, and I don't mean to be <laughs> a pain, but I'm driving to Cleveland, and it's a seven-hour drive, and, uh, you know, in the – and the handler, who is a nice guy, he was just like, well, you mean to be a pain, but you have a valid reason to be a pain. So <laughs> uh, so that was nice. He made a joke of it and everything. And uh, he says, yeah, well, you know, uh, and Garcia Lopez, super nice, was like, he's like, which one is it? He's, like, I'll do it right now. And so that was really cool. So we went to lunch. By the time we came back from lunch, it was, it was pretty much done. So, um, and it's a beautiful piece, too. Not that I expected anything different. So. Um, and my, my thought with the whole process was that if Travis did get a call and got it, but they called me also, I was like, I have no problem getting another Garcia Lopez piece. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sneaking in there.
2: Right. So, so that was awesome. So he did get his Firestorm piece. Uh, also a follow up to the last episode. We did officially have a Keith Knutson sighting. Uh, yes, really? we did. Yes. He did arrive on Sunday and he was heading over to Tom King's booth and where we were all waiting for him and like
1: and then we jumped him
2: right no so uh Chris Campbell and Mike Myers went to go get him and they came back to Tom King's booth and they're like where is Keith at he was right behind us and here he stopped at Garcia Lopez's table because he had to get a Garcia Lopez piece <laughs> and then and then he came over and it was really cool to see him and then we went over to Shannon's table so he could get a Shannon piece and and everything else. So he said that made his con. He wanted to get a Garcia Lopez piece and a piece from Shannon and that just made his day. So um and something that Shannon's done recently, uh he's been doing at his conventions. He has like these little I don't know if they're called warm up sketches or just like little sketches that he does to uh of different things he wants to do. And he posts these sketches a lot of times on his website
3: mm-hmm.
2: and what he, he doesn't really have anything he's doing with those, those pieces. So what he does, he brings them to the conventions now and he sells them at really cheap prices. So if you're looking for something from Shannon and maybe you can't afford like one of his pages or something like that, you can get, actually get a nice sketch piece. He sells them for like $5 or $10 or he'll sell groups of them together for other prices. And I got a whole group of Micronauts pieces that he did.
1: Wow, so cool.
2: Yeah, and uh,
0: what size are they? They're like uh, eight by eight and a half by eight, eleven. Yeah, eight and a yeah. half by
2: eleven. They're small little things, but they're really awesome. So, um, like some, one of the pages is is the entire Micronauts team, um, and then there's another one where they're all kind of like beat up and standing there, and then there's like one where uh, uh, Baron cars is being stabbed by our. Uh, by arcturus ron and and stuff like that so there's it's just some really cool pieces and john knew right away like he pointed it out to me he's like ryan i thought this might be something of interest to you <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh yeah, cool. so so it was really cool like I, and wasn't that an idea he said that mel gave him he's she was like you're not doing anything with these sketches you might as well take them with you and sell them and I I thought that was a brilliant idea. Like it gets people yeah. kind of looking at his stuff, and he like he said he, the, these are just sketches that we're just gonna lay around and not do anything with anyways. So
1: <clears throat> yeah, the artist team that are doing that, like Todd Nock, uh, he he does them on little, and uh, uh, Jimmy Chung, they do like little post it note sketches. Yeah, they're just like little head sketches, and yeah. They just kind of do it to warm up and just yep. something to throw on Instagram since they can't show the pages they're working on. Right, right. And, uh, yeah, and then they come – I saw Todd Knock, had a whole, like, vertical display board, just, like, basically, like, a, a cork board with all these Post-it notes on it. Just beautiful, like, little sketches. Yeah, yeah. You know, and they're, like, compared to his regular commission, like, it's so hard to get on a commission list and it's a couple yeah. hundred bucks, you know, and yeah. or you can buy this little Post-it note sketch. And it's like, yeah, it's a little thing, but – yeah. You can put it in a little protective sleeve, or yep or, or even laminated or whatever, and then uh, use it as a bookmark or whatever. But it's only like five or ten bucks. So yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. and it was and it was it was a really cool idea, and I, it was awesome to get that. And he does. And the reason I don't have my sketchbook is because he is working on a, a sketch piece for for me, um, the in in my '80s book. Uh, I think what he's going to be doing is going to be doing a, a Danger Mouse piece.
1: Oh man, so cool!
2: Uh, yeah, and I did tell him if he changed his mind on which one he, what character he wanted to do, if he didn't want to do Danger Mouse, uh, I certainly would love a Danger Mouse role, But I told him if he changed his mind once he's ready to actually work on it, uh, just to let me know, and you know, he'll, I'll give him the list of other characters and stuff like that. But he said he's been watching a lot of Danger Mouse lately, so <laughs> he wanted to draw that, and I was like, that's awesome, that's perfect, go for it. So. <laughs> All those characters are on the list because I love all of them. So, yeah. and I watched a lot of Danger Mouse when I was. Oh, a I kid, did too, so,
1: man! Yeah. I love that show.
2: Yeah. Um, so that's all the the stuff I got. I mean, I got some good trades. Uh, it's on Sunday is the best day to get trades and hardcovers and stuff like that, because <laughs> <laughs> yes, they don't because yes. they don't want to take that stuff home.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely. So. Oh, you know, you guys were talking about. I was listening to your pre-Baltimore show too recently, and yeah, kind of talking about working with artists as far as negotiating prices on things. Yeah, and um, and it's interesting because, like, because I've seen both sides of it. Like, I, I, you know, I don't buy a ton of art. Yeah, and I'm starting to really want to do that more because I'm sitting there next to so many artists that I respect and i really love their work right um and i just mean like man i've been going to conventions for 10 or 12 years now i'm like what a wasted opportunity (laughs) (laughs) i could have been getting sketches this whole time and and really filled up a few books or or whatever you know um you know but i have bought some pages from some of the guys that i really enjoy and uh anyway um and i think it's interesting because i In in general, everything you guys said, I completely agree with. I think that whenever you're willing to buy a few pieces, especially I'm more willing to knock off a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it not, not that because you bought two pieces, the second piece is now all of a sudden worth less. Sure. It's that, um, you know, if, if I just sold you this one piece, I'm going to make this much. If you're willing to buy both, then that's a guarantee. I will sell two pieces instead of just one. Absolutely. Right? So yeah. if, if one page, if both pages were a hundred bucks, I would rather make a hundred and eighty dollars than a hundred dollars. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So that's the idea, um, and I don't mind doing that. Um, at the same time, and and that's probably you know if you. You know, I wouldn't push it past what would be maybe a 10 or 15% discount.
4: Yeah, okay? yeah, for sure. Uh,
1: just in, just as general advice to people how to deal with artists. I had a guy in Salt Lake that was driving me insane. Like, he was coming up, and I was selling my prints for $15 a piece, um, which in the past I might have put together a bundle, like if you bought three prints or whatever, like you guys had mentioned.
4: Yeah.
1: Um, but across the board, Salt Lake is a print show. It's their print walls, as far as the eye can see, It's just insane. It's print crazy there. So everybody, whether you were published or not, was selling prints for $20 a piece. Yeah. So I kept mine at 15 because I have a pretty large catalog. Uh, people who want to come and buy my Joe prints, I'm not looking to price gouge these guys.
2: Yeah, and that's a reasonable price for a print, especially the size uh, that you're selling yeah. them at and everything, so...
1: So what I do is I do an eleven by seventeen for fifteen bucks. I keep the the mylar sleeves. So if you want to buy a sleeve with it so it doesn't get bent, those are five bucks, which again I charge less than what the Mylar, you know, dealer is charging. Yeah. Uh, by a couple bucks. And and I figure then it's an even twenty, but you can fit up to three prints in that mylar sleeve. So I figure whatever. Yeah. That's that's how I've been doing it. And so I'm already undercutting everybody else by five bucks. And this guy came up and he's like, hey, look, like if I bought a bunch of these, uh, he's like, you you go to ten dollars, right? <laughs> and I was like, well, it kind of depends on how many you're getting. He's like, all right, well, and he started picking them out, right? And he got about six of them. Okay. Okay. So he got he's like, so that's sixty bucks, right? So I never really quite agreed on this. Yeah. But he just assumed and then was like, sixty bucks, okay. And then he goes now. He goes, you throw in this art book too, right? And I'm just like... (laughs) He was just like manhandling me. I'm like, no. No. You're already getting, you know...
2: (laughs) You're already getting a deal that I did not agree to. (laughs) You're already
1: getting $30 off. Right. No. You know what I mean? Like, if you want the prints, then... Yeah, I'll give you that price for the print. The other thing that annoyed me was he was doing this at a time when there was a huge crowd around my table. Oh, yeah. So then... For the next, oh, and I'm sure
2: he did that intentionally. Minutes,
1: well, for the next 15 minutes, everybody was like, Oh, you're gonna give me the deal that guy got, right? Yeah, so then I was selling ten dollar prints for the next 30, 30 minutes at my table oh, because this guy was, was a jerk.
4: Yeah,
1: like then I had two other instances. One guy came up to me, and he's like, Oh, look, man, he, he, he kind of pulled me aside. He goes, Can I talk to you for a second? Notice that I had a full, full table, there's tons of people around my table
3: because
1: mm-hmm. when you get a minute, could, could I chat with you? And I was like, Oh, sure. Nobody was needing anything at the moment, so I stepped over. He goes, look, I love your stuff. I love G.I. Joe. I literally have $10 in my wallet. <laughs> He's like, would you mind selling me one print for 10 bucks so I can go home with something of yours? I was like, yes. Yeah. So I signed a print, put it in my large sleeve, gave him an art book for 10 bucks because he was awesome. Right. Okay? Like, I wanted to go out of my way to make that con experience better. Yeah because he had the decency to pull me aside, respect my business. Right. And not shout out to the world, "Hey, what are you going to give me?" Right. Cuz he's entitled, you know, or right. feels entitled. To me. No, he was he was humble and awesome, and I wanted to give him more.
2: And then he and said, "Do you have change for a 50?"
1: Yeah, and then, <laughs> and, then and then so at the other end of the spectrum, I had a guy this made my show because nobody was buying commissions, I did I did one sketch at this show.
4: Okay.
1: Um, wow. No, I I couldn't believe it. I mean, most shows I'm turning people down or having to bring them home or whatever. Yeah. So what was great was I spent the whole weekend catching up on the Kickstarter commissions I needed to do.
4: Yeah. So
1: that was awesome. That was I was still productive at the show, but at any rate, um, so I wasn't making money from commissions. That's fine. Uh, again, I wasn't as worried about that because I was brought out as a guest. I don't have as much overhead. Um. You know, I I could be there for other reasons, basically.
4: Sure. Anyway,
1: um, I had one guy came up and on the first day bought what was it like eighteen prints from me. Wow. And didn't ask for a discount. Like was just happy to meet me and buy yeah. print. Wow. I was like, holy cow! So I basically gave him like three or four prints for free. Sure and just charged him for like the first whatever 15. I was right. like grief. Right. Yes. <laughs> the next the next day he came back and bought seven more. Wow. And the next day he came back and bought five more. Wow. And never once asked for a discount. Was yeah. just happy to support me. I couldn't I mean the guy ended up spending a few hundred dollars on prints. Yeah. From me and he had a full he had two full like print portfolios like the 11 by 17 books. Full of 80s property anything. Anybody who was selling 80s property anything, he was yeah. buying prints of, and it was like the best that's art awesome. books ever. I was like, this is a Star Joe's book. And he's like, Star Joe's. <laughs> so I'm like, let me tell you. <laughs> so that was pretty cool. He was he was a really nice guy. So I'm like, that's the spectrum, right? Yeah. Yeah. Complete jerk who I would wish just leave my table, and I would almost refuse selling him six prints. Yeah. Because he just just being a jerk and then the other end of the spectrum who I would give stuff off my table to make them have a good convention you know
2: yeah and that's the thing too what you're talking about as far as like having a talk uh you know about you know on the side like I when I got the uh the piece by Chris uh Russo, uh-huh. I said well how I just I waited till like the crowd kind of died down because like I didn't for that exact reason. I didn't want to like, if, he, if he was going to give me any type of deal and I wasn't asking him to, um, but if he was giving me any type of deal, because I was asking for multiple characters, I didn't want necessarily to say that in front of everybody because maybe he's just doing it because he knows John and you know, and everything right. else. So he, you know, I said, well, if I did these three characters, what would you want for it? Just, you know, ask, I knew what his single character price was and I didn't know if he would, you know, you know, want, Mm -hmm. want just that times three. And that would have been fine. I was ready to pay that. But you know, he cut me a a little bit of a deal and that was awesome. And I, he didn't have to, I would just like you said with the other guy, I wasn't expecting that. I just thought I'd ask like, you know, what, what do you charge if I have these three characters? And he told me and I was like, here you go. But yeah, I would never want to, you know, do something so publicly because yeah, like to your point, for the next half hour then, you had to give everybody that same deal, and that's not fair to you. Um, and it's just because that one guy wants to be a jerk and get as much as he can for free. Yeah, um, I've actually seen like a YouTube video, and the, the guy made me so angry. Uh, I may have mentioned this a long time ago on the show, but there was a guy that actually was going, t- doing videos where he went up to creators and was basically trying to scam them, like artists, and saying like, uh, remember, we agreed that, you know, you would do this for this price or you would do this for free or something like that. And most people, thankfully, said told them no. But some of them were like, oh, wait, did you pay for the?" Like they would get confused because there's a crowd of people there and everything yeah. else. And-,
1: and like we deal with hundreds, you know, sometimes if not for the big name artists, thousands of people. And if yeah. we don't have somebody helping us at our table, like, yeah, I hate to say it, but some of us can get like. Pretty disoriented or forget sure. who we've talked to and who we've done transactions with. And right. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's, uh,
2: so, yeah. yeah.
1: There's those people out there.
2: Yeah. It was just crazy. But, but yeah, Baltimore was awesome. So here's the thing I wanted to throw out there to everyone so that they know in advance. And like Rock mentioned on the last episode, I mean, Rock mentioned a lot of things in the last episode, but
0: <laughs> which were absolutely hilarious. <laughs> Some of which are going to be behind the paywall when we put the unedited episode out. Right, right. Um, so
2: uh, Rock mentioned this last year, so I wanted I want to tell people in advance, so this way they can do this. He said, you know, if you come if you have the opportunity to come out to Baltimore, come out to Baltimore. Put twenty dollars away a, a month or whatever you need to do uh, to to make it out there, because. We looked at everything, and timing-wise, and we didn't mention this in the last episode, and I was saying I wanted to do something special because our 200th episode will be coming up and everything else. If we do two episodes every single month like we normally do, then Baltimore next year will be our 200th episode.
3: Oh, my
2: gosh. So I want to make that a big deal, obviously. Um I'm gonna see, you know, what I need to do and how much it costs to maybe get a conference room or something like that at the hotel, so that we can do, you know, a nice little get together with anyone that wants to come. Um, Robert, if there's any chance of you making Baltimore next year, please do so uh, because I would love nothing better than to have all five hosts at at Baltimore next year. Yeah,
1: um, I'm. I mean, I'm already like when I set my convention schedule. Some shows I know ahead of time. Yeah. I'm no matter what I'm not doing anything else. So Baltimore is going to be one of my landmark shows next year. I'm doing awesome. New York every year. I'll do Baltimore, and then there's some leeway. You know what? Yeah. What else I might do? But I'm definitely doing Baltimore next year. I'm not going to let anything get in the way. For yeah. I Should
0: point out that Baltimore moves next year. It's not going to be holiday weekend. It's going to be September twenty two through twenty four. Right. Cool.
2: Yeah, so it's the later part of September uh, next year. And, uh, and like I said, I want this to be as big as it can be. We, we had tw- There was at least 20-some people that we knew at Baltimore this year. Um, that, wow, that's awesome. Yeah, so it was a big group of, of listeners and everything else. And I would love nothing better than to have that be even bigger next year and have people – get together after the convention Saturday night and we just do a massive episode 200. And I think that could be an absolute blast. So if you've never come out, if you've never talked to us before and you live near Baltimore, you're within driving distance, save up them shekels or whatever and, and come out next year to Baltimore. Uh, We will definitely make announcements as we get closer to that, as far as where we're going to be at, what we're going to be doing um, hell, I'm even going to reach out. I don't. I doubt they would do anything at all to accommodate us. But I'm even going to reach out to Baltimore Comic Con to say, "Hey, we're coming out there to celebrate our 200th episode. Is there? I don't know if there's something we could do there at the show. Let me know. I have no idea. Like I said, they don't have to do anything, uh, but it'd be it'd be kind of cool if we could do something at the show as well. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll just try to make it an event. Um, and uh yeah,
1: I've got I've got some ideas that we can chat with yeah. know, off off air but um sure. yeah, there's definitely some ways we can uh, kind of market this and yeah. and one just to get more people aware of the show yep. in the process as we do a countdown. Yep. Um and just get definitely getting the show involved and getting um Anyway, yeah, I've got ideas, so
2: cool. we'll, we'll talk about it. Cool, and I and uh, I mentioned it before you came on the show, Robert. The YouTube channel is about to start this month. Yeah,
1: I'm excited uh, about that.
2: So by next Baltimore, they'll also be, we'll also be doing some video for the show and everything else at Baltimore Con. So, um, so that should be a, a, a awesome thing for it as well. But yeah, I, th- I think this could be a really really awesome thing to bring a lot of attention to the show and everything. So, um. Let's see. Uh, the other thing that uh, I know I don't well, is there anything else, John, that you wanted to mention as far as Baltimore or anything like that before we move on to
0: No, it was a great weekend, just tremendous weekend yeah, yeah I, I, I'm looking forward to next year already. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Um, I will say too, I didn't get to tell this story when it came to meeting Sean Aston, uh, which by the way, if anyone, for those that want to know, my wife absolutely loved the football helmet. Uh, that was signed by Sean Astin, uh, and I actually made a comment to her that, hey, when we go to uh, the football games each year, because we always go to a Notre Dame game every, every year, sometimes the real Rudy is at the game. So we said if we know that he's going to be there, we're going to take the helmet with us and have him sign the other side of it. Oh helmet. my goodness, that would be awesome. So we'll have the movie Rudy on one side and the real Rudy on the other <laughs> side. So.
1: Holy cow.
2: Yeah. So, but she absolutely loved it. My wife loves football. I'm a very lucky man. <laughs> uh, and uh so it, it was uh awesome uh we celebrated our 15 year wedding anniversary and it was absolutely awesome uh yeah. she did a really cool uh commission she had a really cool commission piece done of her and myself and our dog uh and uh so that was really cool but uh one thing that sean Aston said uh while we were out there was he was like this is a really nice convention. He's like, this is this is a good size and everything else. And he's like, how long have they been doing this for? Like six, seven years? And someone mentioned to him that it's been 16 years. And he goes, those bastards have never invited me out here before. <laughs> <laughs> um, he could not have been a more down-to-earth kind of guy. So that was it was very cool to meet him. So uh,
1: It's in, it's interesting that he brings that. No, that's awesome to hear about. It's always good when you, you meet a celebrity and they're like a decent person. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now it's interesting. It, his comment on the show it is cool because there are those long-standing conventions like Heroes Con, Baltimore, others that have been going on for more than ten years before this huge convention boom yeah. happened. And the convention boom happened on as soon as comic publishers stopped showing up showing up at shows as much. Yeah. And there were more and more superhero and pop culture-related television and movies. Right. then the celebrity guest became the anchor for these conventions. Yeah. So this boom has been built on the entertainment industry's version of comic books. Yeah. So uh, it's interesting he says it because in the last six or seven years, shows have gotten bigger because celebrity guests are being invited to shows. So it makes oh. sense he would say that. Yeah. When he hears that the show has been going on longer than that, he's like, what? Yeah. <laughs>
0: but, but, you I'm know, like, Robert, it's, in, it's interesting you say that because – and I give I – give, baltimore a tremendous amount of credit they only have a handful of media guests
2: yes i was gonna say okay, the so same this thing year done. this
0: year it's sean astin it was um uh, uh haley, haley atwell At- oh. it was a couple people from uh flash
4: yeah
0: and somebody from arrow or something they they've even you know the biggest i still think the biggest name they had was peter mayhew right and yeah. they had peter mayhew like three years ago yeah. they had uh uh Kevin Edward Smith. James almost last year, yeah. Kevin Smith was there, but they they've never they've never put more than a handful of guests out there, and so even this weekend you would hear over the loudspeaker, ladies and gentlemen, you know Sean Astin and so and so and so and so are signing all weekend. They didn't have such lines that it wasn't driven by the media guests. I I still
2: think it sticks to be a comic
0: book show. And I'll tell you, it was, as I kind of reflected And and, you know, again, we talked about, we started going in 2010, the first year we went, they had McFarlane for one day for like three hours. And his (laughs) line was longer than anything they ever had. I mean, of course we, we were going without, we weren't even trying to meet him, but I remember the, 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 stories about his line and everything. so, it's it's great that they want to have a pop culture component, but that they've not relied on that to to keep growing. That yeah. you know, I yeah. think I think you know, it's it's a small component. And I'm going to compare that to the show here last weekend, which was put on by, um, you know, let's say just say it. It was Wizard yeah. put on a show here in Richmond last weekend. There are two named guests or Gene Simmons and Ryan Lochte.
4: Yeah.
0: What they had they had let's count them gang. They had four comic book dealers at the show wow. for a comic book convention. Yeah. I'm sorry, that is that's sad.
2: Now, the only thing I, I will almost, say when it comes to Gene Simmons is they do have another Kiss comic book coming out. So well, at least there's a also, little connection there. They but.
0: just played Richmond on Friday night last week, too. Yeah. So they played Friday night, and he was here Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. Ryan Lochte, you can tell me, you can explain to me how he got here. I then. have
2: no idea. You know, jackass.
0: <laughs> but but and then they had some wrestlers. Well, interestingly enough, Sunday night, SmackDown was in town recording. So, you know, the, year to year, that show... Appears to have diminished, and you know apparently they didn't have a great year from everything I've heard. And if somebody went to Wizard Richmond and had a great time, great. Uh, I'm proud to be associated with the comic book show, the true comic book show that's here <laughs> in town. It's been around for thirty years um, because you know I, I just when I heard they had four dealers, only one of which had a wall of comic books. Yeah, come
4: that's, on, that's sad. Yeah.
0: You know, whatever. And, and it, it is what it is. But yeah. but I think to Robert's point, you know, that the Baltimore gang has figured out how to keep enough pop culture, enough, you know, media people. They get good ones. Yeah. Again, Haley Atwell and Sean Astner are great gets. Absolutely. But it's not the focus of the show. Right. It's not, you know, they're going to continue to focus on named guests and, and comic book stuff and comic book dealers and you know, heroes and I will, you know, I'll say it, heroes in, in Baltimore, man, those are comic book shows. And yeah. it's, you know, for sure. They're, they're where I like to be, personally, so. Absolutely. And
2: yeah, and, and we talked about how crowded it was, and it was crowded because people were there for comics. I mean, there was people of all age ranges, and I saw them in the back bins, you know, the back issue bins, and uh, looking at trades, and buying the action figures, and things like that. Uh, they're, you know, that's and they, what were they were in line
0: there for. They were in line for Tom King and yeah. Jim Starlin and they were in line for uh, uh, Kevin Eastman Walt Simonson and, 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 and well, yeah Kevin Eastman and so you know they not to say those other the media guests didn't have lines sure but I was amazed I have to say Ryan you got up there early Saturday morning there was what like two people in front of you for Sean Aston yeah yeah ten
4: fifteen or ten thirty yeah
0: so it was great that you had time to talk to him and yeah. visit with him. Because he didn't have a thousand people waiting for him, right. Kevin Eastman sure did.
2: Yeah, Kevin Eastman's or, line oh, about was about a thousand. Rid-
0: that may be long, but his line was ridiculous. His line line was ridiculously like Twenty minutes long. into the show opening.
2: Yeah, yeah. So his line was ridiculously long, and I'm glad we went there on Friday to get hit, to meet him because. Yeah. Oh um, yeah. But uh, so wanted to, to kind of switch uh, topics uh, because there's been a couple things that we've both watched recently that are very. Have some very good '80s ties to them, uh, and I, I figured we'll start with the one that that you brought to my attention, John. And I think you said oh, J- yeah. he brought it to your attention, which is uh, Turbo Kid.
0: Yeah. So, so JP and I were talking at Baltimore, and, and we were somehow we were talking about movies, and he said, "Have you seen this movie?" He couldn't remember the name of. It. He's like, "There's this movie where the bad guy is played by Michael Ironside, and Michael Ironside I always remember as Ham from V." But uh, anyway, he's like, I can't remember the name of it, but it's this great movie, and it's, he's like, you ought to, you ought to, it's like a holy totally 80s thing. Because we were talking about Kung Fury, and he's like, oh, it's just like Kung Fury. So I find this movie. It's called Turbo Kid. It's a Canadian film. <laughs> Gang, it, it, it is flipping epic. <laughs> I warn you up front, though, it is not for children. No. It is bloody Bloody violent, like a trauma movie, like a like a toxic Avenger kind of thing, you know, <laughs> like, where like a dude, like where a dude pulls a dude's jaw out of his mouth and jams it into his forehead. Yeah. Oh I mean, my god. But,
2: or but like they cut off the guy's arm and blood is splurting yeah, out for the next is five minutes.
0: <laughs> but but you laugh. I mean, it it is hysterical because the premise very quickly and in, in a high level, it's nineteen ninety seven. There's been a nuclear war. And the fallout has basically ruined everything. It's hard to get water, and it's all about this teenager that rides a. That everybody rides bikes, which is my favorite part yes. of the movie. They're,
1: They're all riding BMX, a bike, BMX bikes. Yes.
0: BMX bikes, yes. <laughs> and like some people like ride lowrider bikes, but they all ride bikes except for ten speeds. There's no ten speeds in the future apparently, but they all ride these bikes around in this wasteland, and it's all about this guy, this this teenager that ends up meeting a girl and he, he's trying, you know, Oh, there's something special about the girl. There's something about the girl. that's not quite right. And yeah, anyway, it's all about how he survives in this wilder, in this wasteland. And, and anyway, he, you know, Michael Ironside is the bad guy who basically is taking human bodies and converting them into water. It is unbelievably hysterical it is it's totally 80s. The soundtrack sounds like something out of either Terminator or Tron or, you know, some of that mid-80s action sci-fi stuff. Guys if, and ladies, if you haven't seen Turbo Kid, go watch it again. It is not for children. There's there's language, there's a lot of F-bombs. And it's bloody. I and, mean, it and is there's
2: definitely '80s references bloody. in there, or other yes. movie references oh, in there, because like, there's um, I was telling John, there's one part where uh, the the girl, her name's Apple, who is played like by Lawrence. I have it up here, Lawrence LeBouf and she's quite attractive and i was i have no problem saying that cuz when i looked her up she's 31 years old oh uh, <laughs> wow so
1: she so plays a teenager that. in there? she
2: plays a teenager <laughs> girl yeah so um, but uh, she she's instructed by the the kid who actually plays who's actually 26 years old himself um, he instructs her about how you have to make a weapon well uh in order to survive in this world so he takes a uh stick uh and like baseball a baseball bat it's like yeah it was like a broken baseball. baseball bat and then he duct tapes a garden gnome around it like <laughs> a stone garden gnome and he hands it to her and she's like this is my gnome stick and it totally reminded me of army of darkness with here is my boom <laughs> yeah. stick yeah,
3: yeah,
2: um and then there's a character that's introduced named frederick who is like this arm wrestling guy and his first arm wrestling match, he totally comes across as like an Indiana Jones character because he's got his fedora hat down, and the guy he's arm wrestling looks like Malakhan from uh, from uh, Temple of Doom because he's got the skull around his head and everything else. And well, I was we like, should
0: also point out that they also have blenders that basically have razor blades on them, and yes. whoever doesn't get their whoever gets their hand put into the razor blade, obviously is going to get their hand torn up. Right. It, oh yeah so good it, th- this movie is epic and there's I, music that thank you because it's so yeah. awesome
2: <laughs> yeah i'm only halfway through the, the movie because i started watching it before we recorded so i didn't get all the way through so it's not that i stopped watching it because i didn't like it i thoroughly enjoyed it it's very wacky though it's like like john said it's kind of like one of those tromo movies but it's totally worth watching um it's just it's bizarre in a good way so uh definitely check it out uh it's and oh, and the cool thing too is the reason it's called Turbo Kid is because he likes reading this comic uh, book that he gets sometimes when he turns stuff in, called Turbo Rider. And he actually comes across tur- uh, a Turbo Rider suit and puts it on, and he start and the one and the girl Apple refers to him as Turbo Kid. So um, it's it's completely wacky, but it's totally fun and it has comic connections and and everything else. So. Um, the other show I, or the other thing I wanted to mention, and certainly anyone that's into the '80s should know about this show and has probably already watched it. But it's a show called Stranger Things. And uh, John, I know you haven't watched it yet. Robert, have you checked this out yet, or at least have heard about it? Or
1: I've definitely heard about it. I've almost watched it a couple times because I've heard such great things about it. Okay. Um, because I get creeped out so easily... Yeah, there are creepy I, moments, yes. <laughs> I, it also made me nervous. Um, And then me and Laura were kind of looking for a show to watch together. So I think we're going to watch this. Okay. I at first thought, oh, it might be too creepy for me. But I've heard from enough people, yeah, there's creepy moments, but it's not like ridiculously over-the-top stuff. No. So I, we're going to watch it, but I haven't had a chance yeah. yet. But I've so, heard, oh, the um the main girl in that show was a celebrity guest at the Salt Lake show.
0: Oh, Okay. She's at New York Comic Con now. They just announced her.
1: Yeah. So, um, she did an amazing job. Tons of people like cosplaying her at the show. And anyway,
2: she was amazing. She's an incredible actress for being so young and everything. But um, the best way I've described it to people, as far as because it takes place in the 80s, so there's a ton of 80s references. In it, uh, there's, yeah, doesn't
1: it doesn't start like they're playing Dungeons and Dragons. So yes. it's like E.T., you know, almost like you immediately think E.T. Kind yes. Of, kind a- of feel to it.
2: There's a ton of homages to other movies and everything else. The best way I describe it is it's Goonies meets E.T. meets Alien. So if you put those three movies together, because there is a monster in the movie and everything <laughs> else. So, um, but. It, like, that's the best way I can describe it. There are, like, homages to Nightmare on Elm Street. Nothing too creepy, though, Robert. It's just a little, little homage that they do in there. There's, like, all these different <laughs> movies that you can totally tell that they did an homage to. It's yeah. still its own thing. It's not like they just totally ripped it off. But they, it's just all these. If you love the 80s and if you listen to this show, you obviously do. Um, like,
1: yeah, like, what I've heard is that you just get the vibe yes of those of that era more than it's like just a straight rip off of anything yes you just feel like it's one more movie or one more show at the same time as you were watching all these other shows yes
2: absolutely and it's uh it's only eight episodes long which is awesome so they definitely had a story to tell uh they didn't just drag it out for 20 some episodes um I will tell you that like I loved it from the very first episode and a lot of other people loved it from the very first episode. There are some people that I, I've talked to, like our buddy Nick and uh, a, a co-worker of mine had mentioned that they were three episodes in and they just kind of found it okay. Uh, but I haven't heard from Nick since then if he's watched more episodes, but the person at work, we encouraged her to keep watching it and she did and she was like it's awesome because it definitely picks up in the last four episodes um and uh and then there's one person I've only heard of one person tell me that they didn't really care for it and that was Travis Uncle T-Bag and he's nuts so
1: Uh, (laughs) for so many reasons for so
2: many reasons because there's (laughs) there's
1: stuff (laughs)
2: there's stuff he loves that i'm like i don't understand how you love that and i'll give you a great (laughs) example is i posted a review of this recently i read doom patrol number one
1: yeah
2: it is one of the worst written books i've ever i've read in a long time oh my
1: goodness
2: i and i honestly believe that i think the and i don't mean to sound harsh because i know there's a few people on facebook that posted it, and they said, it's weirdly fun, and blah, 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 and I'm like, no, it's a piece of crap. Um, <laughs> the art's good See, in. You
1: almost said, it's the worst comic I've ever read, <laughs> but then because we talked about G.I. Joe Transformers earlier, you well, couldn't yes. go all the way and say, ever. I the <laughs> I will say the wow. <laughs> I, I did catch that. I saw The
2: worst I comic I ever read, and I'll put it right out there, the worst comic I ever read, and it pains me to say this, was Jim Henson's Witches number one. <laughs> it was so horrible the art was terrible the writing was terrible it was so bad I hated myself for reading it um but this book came pretty close I was angry after reading Doom Patrol number one yeah wow um and to John's point about Turbo Kid it's a Turbo Kid's a weird (laughs) story right John I mean it's bizarre oh absolutely but it follows a story like you can follow the story and, and everything else as bizarre as it is and I liked it I thought it was awesome Doom Patrol. Uh, I'm going to give you an idea of one of the, a couple of things that happen here. So if you haven't read it yet and you want to read it, uh, don't listen from this point on. I'm not really spoiling anything, but just want to let you know. They open up with this this character Cassie, and she's an EMT driver, and she's really cool. And I was actually engrossed. I was like, the first few pages, I'm like, this is really cool. I like following this character. I don't know where it's going, but I'm following this character. Well, her partner is eating a gyro, and or gyro or whatever you want to call it. And he starts talking about uh, you know society and everything else, and then we go into the gyro, and there's the this whole civilization living in the gyro, and then he throws it into the garbage can, and then there's these robot things that look like Robot Man from the old Doom Patrol. They they uh, attack a computer terminal, and then they blow it up, and then the gyro that was inside the garbage can blows up in front of these two EMT workers, and all of a sudden, they get called to another job, and they act like nothing happened. And I have no idea what happened there. And then later on, there's she goes back to her apartment, and there's her roommate who I didn't even know was her roommate. But then he answers the door, and there's this girl dressed up in this like Zatanna looking outfit, and she sings, and she's like "Happy Birthday, Cassie Brink." And all of a sudden, boom! Her Cassie's roommate blows up. And then this girl comes walking in and Cassie's just like, it's not my birthday. Like she totally disregards the fact that someone just blew up in front of her. And this girl comes walking in and she's gonna be her new roommate and blah blah blah. And oh you have a robot and blah like it's the most bizarre like people don't act this way when shit blows up in front of them. <laughs> and there's not societies living in gyros and then like those <laughs> robots that were in the gyro all of a sudden there's a robot man later in the story and if none of this is making any sense it's because none of it does make any sense <laughs>
3: oh,
2: man. and i was like i said i was literally angry after reading the issue and <laughs> i i i told travis about it, and he goes well i'll probably like it he hadn't read it yet and he goes but i'll probably like it because you hate it and um and I told him, I says, I don't mean to sound this mean, but the only people that I could see liking this issue is hipster douchebags that likes like it because it doesn't make any sense.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> like, it's existential and all that crap. I actually watched a reviewer on YouTube that said it was quirky and weird and everything else, and he says, it set a tone uh, for what's to come and, and everything else, and he says, you know, a comic doesn't always have to tell a story that you can follow. Sometimes it just has to set a tone. And I'm like, that's bullshit. A comic's supposed to tell a story. If it's just setting a tone, I'll go to an art museum and see a tone. <laughs> <laughs> like, I should at least know what. I don't mind. And I even said, I don't mind convoluted stories because obviously I'm an X Men fan. You don't get more convoluted. <laughs> But this was like nothing in this made me go, Oh, I want to read more. Like I said, the first few pages I was totally gripped and I was like, okay, this this is a cool character and everything else. But then when she acted nothing like how a human being would act faced with the same circumstances later in the issue, I was like, I'm totally out. I don't even care about this character anymore. Let alone all the weird ass characters you're showing me that living in gyros and walking the streets and And then they did a little aside with Professor Calder, and I've read Doom Patrol before. Professor Calder is there all of a sudden for one page, and he's talking to the camera. He's, like, breaking the fourth wall for one page, and I don't even know what the hell he's talking about when he's talking. And then they go right back to the story, and, uh, oh, he's not even talking. So it says, what's going on with Niles Calder? And they show Niles Calder in his wheelchair, sitting in a forest with keyboards around him, and he presses one of the keyboards, and you see a music note, and then he turns to the other side, unplugs something, then presses another key, and two music notes come up. He unplugs something else, then turns back to the keyboard and presses it, and a little image of a fly comes up, so not even a music note, but like a fly, like the bug, and then he looks at the camera and smiles, and then they go back to the story. I don't know what that page (laughs) means. I don't know what the hell that's supposed to be. (laughs) i told you i was angry after reading this issue (laughs)
1: oh man
2: now on the flip side an issue i really loved that i picked up was from aftershock which is who i think is doing a bang up job I, i picked up a bunch of stuff from them at baltimore and their issues are awesome i read animosity i read black eyed kids i read rough riders all of them are like, if you want a good creepy story, pick up Black Eyed Kids. It's really awesomely creepy.
0: You know, you guys, and I went back and I was listening, and, and what is the story on this group? They're kind brand, of nowhere. I mean, like, they're a newer they've, got some names. they've got some real name uh, yeah. creators working with them.
1: Yeah. Well, I, again, I don't know uh, their official backstory or what's going on. Just from what I've heard in the industry, is. They they came into it kind of the right way, like with uh, kind of I mean kind of like four five one, like they've got heavy hitting investors, so there's funding behind the company to do it right. Um, they pulled some of the best top of the line editors from Marvel and DC uh, over, and that's how they started. Which is again, they're doing it just right, um, and and that. When you, when you pull an editor that's notable and people like to work with, and then you offer the same rates you'd be getting at Marvel and DC, it's not hard to lure people away from working yeah. for the big two because yeah. uh, it, you get so much more leeway working on projects, so much more freedom. Yeah. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong, people love working on the classic characters, but after you, you know, from what I've heard talking to these guys, you know, after you've done that for a few years, like you know, you've kind of hit the major characters you'd like to work on. And then you kind of want to do something more exciting and have a little more freedom than what is kind of just getting handed to you.
4: Yeah.
1: Uh, And say, hey, draw this, you know, uh, something that you have a say in as an artist or as a writer. You're not you're not getting pulled into summer event crossovers and and being dictated to by upper upper editorial. So, you know, it's just a. A, cre- a creative environment with proper funding, and whenever yeah. you have that, you're going to have some really good comic stories.
2: Yeah, and these stories have been really good. It makes me want to get some of their other issues of other things that have come out because, like I said, I loved Animosity, which is a really hot book right now, by the way. Um, and uh, I loved. I read the first two issues of Rough Riders. Really enjoyed that. That was a. a and they have a lot of different genres that they're doing too. Uh, I didn't get it, but I'd like to get it. Is they did uh, Dreaming Eagles, I think it's called, which is all about the um, Tuskegee Airmen, I believe.
4: Oh. Okay.
2: Uh, which I thought that's cool. Um, like I said, Black Eyed Kids is this whole creepy thing, Robert. You definitely don't want to read it.
1: Okay. Uh,
2: but it's really good for those that want something really creepy. Like I read it. Oh. I read issue one at night, and I didn't want to go to bed. So. <laughs> Um, so it's really good. Um, and then, uh,
1: I do love it when a comic can make you feel that way, make you feel that much.
2: Yeah. Now the other issue that I wanted to mention that I really loved was a book called altars. And it's about, and that's, it's like the aftershocks version of the mutants. So imagine if X-Men came out today, what they would be having to deal with. So what happens is these, these people have superpowers, and they're called alters. And they, um, there's ones that found that they basically control all of society, so that's what they did. And there's the small band of rebels, shocker that I actually really like this story, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that decide they're going to try to get some of them... Uh, before this powerhouse group gets them. So it's very much like X-Men versus Magneto in a lot of ways, um, but it makes its own thing. Well, there's this one character who... Uh, it's a girl that, you know, she's, she's got, this <laughs> amazing, got these amazing powers. And again, spoiler alert for anyone that has it and hasn't read it yet, because I'm going to spoil it here, but you find out later in the issue... That it's not a girl, it's a guy, it's a transgender character, mm. and that actually becomes part of the plot because it's a when he gets when she gets home, it's he she changes back to you know changes back into being uh, out of the costume and everything else and is a son of a regular family and uh, like the dad's macho guy and everything else and he you see the internal monologue about how he's trying to deal with that and how does he tell his family but also how does he deal with these superpower groups and the whole reason the superpower groups can't find him is because they're looking for a girl and it's really a guy so (laughs) it's done really really well and i was like wow if the x-men came out today they would deal with issues like this they would deal with characters like this it's and it's not done like in your face it's not like you know like Ooh, pay attention to transgender blah blah, blah 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 it's not preachy or something like that it's just this is who the character is he's a transgender character and he has superpowers and that's playing a factor into his life as you know being an outsider and everything else and like I said I think anyone that likes the X-Men would probably like Alters so I would definitely mm-hmm. recommend checking it out the art's really good the
1: story um let
2: me see I have it right here um it is Tamra Bonvillain uh, and Ryan Hill, R Y A N E Hill. So, not two names I've heard of before.
3: Yeah.
2: Um. Oh wait. So uh, the actually that I was looking at the bottom of the page. That's the colorist. Was Bon villain and the letterer was Ryan Hill. So the writer <laughs> and creator you'll definitely recognize, which is Paul Jenkins.
1: Okay. Yeah.
2: And uh, the artist is Leela Leitz or Lila Leitz, L E I Z. Cool. Yeah, I don't, I don't
1: know, but
2: <laughs> yeah, but Paul, but it's Paul Jenkins writing, and uh, it's really good, really well written. And like I said, the, I thought the art was really well done. Uh, so. And only the first issues come out so far, so um so I like I said, I think if you like the x men then you probably would want to check that issue out too, so I thought rather than just leaving it with my rant on Doom Patrol, <laughs> I would also <laughs> tell you of a book I really liked um but uh but yeah don't don't pick up doom Patrol. it's not good
1: <laughs> well, I'm kind of as far as doing reviews like. I realized when was this? A, a few weeks ago. Uh, how sad it was! Like I'm not reading any current comics right now.
4: Oh wow!
2: Okay. And
1: it and I like for the longest time, kind of almost prided myself in the fact that like I worked in comics and still loved reading comics. Whereas yeah. there were so many guys I knew that had become a little jaded towards the industry, and it was their job. Um, and don't get me wrong. I still very much love comics, but what started happening was, I think what was happening was I wasn't like devoting enough time in my day to read comics. Sure. Like where I said, look, this is my reading time. You know, instead I was either running around doing all the other things you do in life or working and then never giving my time to like, all right, here's the 15 minutes I'm going to sit down and read some books or take an hour and read a trade or something. Um, and I had been collecting trades the last few years instead of single issues. Um, and while I was still buying new things, I had, I, my two read pile just got bigger and bigger. And, um, to the point now where I'm like at least a couple years behind and I, and I, somebody was asking me about what was going on, uh, like with Captain America and with uh, you know, things that I hit, kind of hit the headlines. Yeah. And I realized the only thing I knew was what I had seen on the headlines. And I was like, what? But <laughs> I haven't read.
4: Yeah. And
1: and then I started thinking, well, do I know what's going on in any of these books? And I just don't. Like, I know Rebirth happened, and that's it.
4: Yeah.
1: Like, I feel so out of the loop. And um, I think it's because I used to be listening to regular comic book podcasts on a regular basis, too. Yeah. which some of them have kind of gone by the wayside or finished or um, you know just for whatever reason, like I'm just not up to date on them. Uh, I'm just kind of worried. Yeah. Like I, I, I need to jump back on, but I don't have any idea how to do it.
2: Well, I will say Rebirth is a good place to jump back on, uh, and DC's been knocking it out of the park with pretty much all of the titles uh, except Doom Patrol. Um,
1: okay. So. So what, what would you say or say like the – the top five rebirth titles.
2: So for me, uh, the we top, have
1: similar tastes. So yeah. I would, I would so your-
2: I would say, uh, bat, or I would say breed Batman, Tom King's Batman's very good. Yeah. Uh, detective is fantastic. Especially if you like old Tim Drake, yeah. like where he's smart and he's and he acts like he should be acting.
3: Right.
2: <laughs> read, yeah. read that. Cause it's got Batwoman, Tim Drake, spoiler, uh, Cassandra Cain's in it. It's really, And it's got Clayface in it, and I think you like Clayface. Uh, yeah, definitely, yeah. And they actually do a really good job to where I even like Clayface, and I'm not a Clayface fan. <laughs> so. Right. so that's an uh, awesome book. I love the Wonder Woman book. The tricky thing with the Wonder Woman one is that every other issue is a different uh, – so all the odd issues are one storyline, and all the even issues are a different storyline.
1: Oh, interesting. Okay.
2: So all the I think it's all the odd issues are like a year one story, and all the even issues are uh, a present day story, and some of uh, and the year one issues are drawn by Nicola Scott, who I know you yeah. like her art. And uh, the the present day issues are drawn by Liam Sharp. And some people said that they didn't care for his art. I think it's fantastic. I yeah, think I like
1: I, his stuff. Yeah,
2: yeah, I think his art's really great. So, um, so I love the one Roman one. I do like um Hal Jordan and Green Lanterns. Uh, I do like the Green Lanterns book. I'm Who's
1: working on the on both of
2: those. Uh, I'll have to look it up. I think Venditti is working on Hal Jordan and, and Green Lantern. And um, I'm almost certain that Ivan uh, not Ivan Hayes, um, who was the one that did Rebirth for um, for Green Lantern, the artist that did Rebirth. Van Schuyler, like the- yeah, I think it's Van Skyver on uh, Green Lanterns.
1: Oh, okay.
2: Um, But I like both of those. Now, I know Mike Myers said that in Green Lanterns, it seems like the characters aren't progressing very much.
3: Hmm.
2: Um, But I'm three issues in. I still have a few more issues to read to get caught up on it. And I said, yeah, if they don't really change, then I can, you know, I could see maybe not, you know, liking it as much. But I'm still really enjoying it. Um, Trying to think anything else that's really been. Oh, the Shocker one for me. The, the total surprise, awesome yeah. one was Red Hood and the Outlaws. Who's
1: Yeah, who's on that
2: one? I did not expect to like that one uh, at all because the old um, the old Red Hood and the Outlaws I thought was just okay. And it's still the same writer, which is Scott Lobdell. Oh, yeah.
1: Um,
2: and so I thought, okay, it's still the same writer, so it's probably not going to be very good um, because I didn't like the other one. He is knocking it out of the park. Um, He is writing Jason Todd like you would want Jason Todd to be written. Basically, it's Jason Todd telling Batman, I can go places you can't go. Um, Oh, cool. And he actually has his base of operations under a police precinct (laughs) so that he can hack into their (laughs) system and stuff like that. Um, But yeah, that one was a total shock. I picked up just the first issue thinking, I'll try the first issue, but I'm probably not going to like this. Totally changed my mind, and it's not like it was just one issue. I've read all three issues that have been out so far, and it's great. Uh, he has um, he's going to be team he's teaming up with Bizarro <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. and Artemis. Uh, oh, so, cool! Yeah, so it's it's very cool. Um, I'm trying to look up who's drawing that one, um, but. Yeah, so I would recommend those ones. Oh, and the Superman books have actually been really good. Action Comics and uh, Superman. Uh, okay. Both have actually been really good. It reminds me very much of Superman from the 90s when, like, Death of Superman and all that happened. Yeah. That's when I was really into Superman, and this uh, these issues remind me of that. So.
1: See, because I feel like... New Fifty Two Superman suffered the most yes. from that whole process, and and that's what I liked Superman the best was kind of yeah Man of Steel all the way through, um, yeah like nineties Death of Superman stuff.
2: So let me tell you this because I don't know if if I think I mentioned this in the earlier uh, episodes, uh, but it is so new uh, New Fifty Two Superman is actually dead and gone. He was okay. killed and. Remember there was the event called Convergence. I'm not saying right. you read it, but um,
1: I have the train <laughs> Okay.
2: <laughs> so in Convergence they bring all these other realities of past DC together. Well one of the realities brought classic Superman and Wonder Woman or Superman and Lois Lane together. Mm-hmm. And then they did a mini series called Lois and Clark, where out of convergence, the Superman and Lois uh, Lois Lane came uh, that were from the pre fifty two actually came to our the new fifty two universe and were living in secret with their son uh, mm-hmm. who they were able to have because of convergence because superman didn 't have his powers and everything else he wasn 't kryptonian and all that but he didn 't have his kryptonian powers, so they actually had a child in the convergence storyline mm-hmm. and uh, they came and now he 's actually starting to develop powers well. New Fifty Two Superman after a bunch of story events eventually dies. He he, it's actually a really cool story. Uh, it's called Death of, of I think it's called Death of Superman or something like that. But it's a really or, or the final final days of Superman is what it was called, and yeah. he gets killed. And because he's gone now, the Superman we knew from pre Fifty Two decides to take up the mantle because he sees Lex Luthor trying to take up the mantle with like his armor suit and everything else. Right. Um, so he takes up the mantle. Well, Batman and wonder woman of this universe don't know this Superman, so they don't know if they can trust him and things like that. But he wow. shows all of the spirit and all of the personality of the Superman we knew and loved from years ago. So you really like reading him.
1: Uh, thank goodness. Yeah. Cause yeah. I was so sick of that other guy.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's really good. I, I, I cannot recommend uh, the Superman titles enough. Uh, the artist on Red Hood and the Outlaws is Dexter Soy. Hmm. I don't
1: um, know. Yeah, so, that's but yeah.
2: Yeah, so, so, yeah, like I said, I would recommend the Superman books, like Action Comics and Superman. I would recommend Batman and Detective Comics, and then the Green Lantern titles I really like, uh, and I know you're a Green Lantern fan. And then, like I said, if you want to check something out that might surprise you, check out Red Hood and the Outlaws. Oh,
1: cool, Definitely.
2: Yeah, so, and oh, and the Wonder Woman title, like I said, that's really good too. So it's like your main, it's your main trinity. I actually think are really good. Uh, Flash, I really like, but I don't think everyone would like it. I think it's being done really well, but again, uh, I know you weren't a big fan of hearing what this, the the uh, story plot is of everyone getting speedster powers and things like that yeah. when we yeah. talked. So. Um, I think it's good. I'm enjoying it, but yeah, I'm I'm not sure if it's for everybody, but if you're a Flash fan, it's, I think it's good. So, um, but yeah, I, I don't honestly think you can go wrong with anything in Rebirth. Uh, the only other one that I didn't really enjoy was Deathstroke. Um, it's by Christopher Priest and I really liked his run on Black Panther, but yeah, but this one is a little again. It's maybe a little too convoluted. It jumps around a lot in the story, yeah. Um, and so you almost have to read it like, like re- read an issue twice to kind of get what's going on. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, I I did. I, I think I picked up. Well, I don't know if it's been since rebirth, but it's since they relaunched Deathstroke. Like I,
4: yeah.
1: I picked up the first two or three trades, and okay. I read the first one because um, I do really like that character. But yeah.
2: So I will say the art on the new Deathstroke title is really good. Like, that's really amazing. And I don't remember who's on that one, but...
1: Uh, It's Tyler Kirkham, and then um, uh, Pantoluccia is uh, an Italian artist who I met at the Malta convention. Oh, Okay. And so they kind of trade off, and gotcha. both of those guys are really good.
2: Yeah. So the art's really good. Christopher Priest. I'm thinking, like, I'm I'm not getting any more of the issues. I've got I got the the rebirth issue, and I got the number one issue. And like I said, it it just jumps around an awful lot for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's something like I might get in trade because I think maybe reading a series of issues is probably the way to go with that one. Um, gotcha. But like I said, I don't – honestly, I don't think you can go wrong with anything from Rebirth other than – the only other, other one I'll mention uh, that might be off-putting because it might not be a style that you would like to read is uh, the Harley Quinn book. Like it's very –
1: Oh, yeah. See, I love Chad Harden. He's the artist yeah. on it right now, isn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I was on a panel with him, I think in Denver, and uh, – I think just to support his work, I'd pick it up. But at the same time, it's just not really. It's very
2: opinion, so. jokey. It's very uh, it's out. It's it feels very outside the rest of the DC universe, which, which is fine because there's, yeah. there's the Harley Quinn fans. And for the Harley Quinn fans that are out there, I think it's perfect for them. It's just not good for me. Yeah, um, I've enjoyed uh, Batgirl and the Birds of Prey. I think they're getting back to the old style of Birds of Prey stories which I loved those. Um, And then the Batgirl series, I think, is actually getting better. Uh, They went with this in the previous series, once they left Gail Simone, it was very, um, again, very hipster-ish. Yeah. And it just wasn't for me. I I heard really good things of people that loved it, and that's great. Not every comic has to be for me as much as I would want it to be. (laughs) Um, but, (laughs) but, uh, what they did with this new Batgirl series is they kept the costume and they kept some of the feel of the previous series. So it's not turn off, turn away those fans. But for someone like me that liked the Gail Simone style of Batgirl stories, there's a little bit of that in there too. Um, so I I've actually enjoyed it. I gave it a try and actually really, really liked it. So they said, I would just go pick up a rebirth issue and, and check it out. Um, I don't think you'll be disappointed at all. So,
1: so like not to totally derail the conversation, but sure. like in general, and then so kind of just very in general, what's kind of happening over with Marvel stuff? Like, so
2: Marvel, I am behind on my reading with Marvel uh, mm-hmm. because I've been getting so wrapped up in the rebirth stuff. Uh, okay. Everything's civil war two right now with
1: Marvel. <laughs> yeah. So I haven't gotten into any of that. I yeah. think, the, what was the big thing right before that
2: so the big thing right before that was secret war
1: right which i again yeah i think i've got the i think i've got the trade and i haven't read that so that's kind of where i'm at that um,
2: was really good i will recommend secret war it was a really good yeah, story heard, and everything
1: good so the uh i think all the big character changes is where i why i feel lost like yeah. The new Iron Man is a, is a young black girl, and the yeah. new Thor is a, is a lady. And I haven't read any of those, so like,
2: so do you know who the new Thor is?
1: Yeah, isn't that J- J- like Jane Foster? Foster, right? yeah. yeah, yeah,
2: that's actually really, really good.
1: So I've heard, yeah, I've heard good things about that, and then, you know, and there's I've heard good things about a few titles, but I feel like uh, unless I jump in there where some of these things start off,
4: right,
1: and then I just haven't been up to date on. You know what's what. So. Yeah,
2: so if you want some titles to pick up that you don't have to rely on really anything else, um, you can pick up the 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 Thor issues um, or trades, and you can also get like there's certain things like um, Mark Wade's uh, Black Widow is really oh, okay. good, uh, and you don't have to worry about it tying into anything else. I'm trying to think what else is good that's like separate from the main universe stuff. Um, really like guardians of the galaxy stuff like that. It's not tying into the civil war stuff. Um, uh, mockingbird was actually really good.
1: Oh, uh, I love that. Well, see, I wasn't, I didn't know much about the old character, but when she yeah. came out, man, during the new Avengers, like way back a yeah. little ways, um, I loved her character. So yeah. I was, is, is it kind of more the same? Yeah. Those lines.
2: Yeah. And like, I thought it was, uh, it's a fun book. Like it's, it's fun, but action. So it's kind of like, you know, if you like, if you like a Black Widow character, but that has a little bit more personality to her, like yeah. she's a little bit more snarky and everything else, Mockingbird is a really good book to, to try out then.
4: Oh, cool. um,
2: and it actually made me go and get the trade of Mockingbird so I could read her early adventures. Uh, so, so yeah, uh. I've been enjoying Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man, uh and regular Spider-Man. Spider there's so there's Amazing Spider-Man that's dealing with Peter Parker right. and then there's Spider-Man that's dealing with Miles Morales. Gotcha. And I think both of those are really good. So Cool. Um oh and Yeah, Doctor- in
1: fact in fact recently, I mean this is going way back, yeah. but I just read the big Spider-Verse collection.
2: Oh, which is awesome.
1: Oh my gosh.
2: That's one of my favorite Spider-Man so-
1: stories. <laughs> I think it's one of the best. Yes constructed spider-man stories i mean the art is obviously super good consistent throughout yes and just being able to pull in so many different versions and make it all cohesive oh so good
2: i've actually been getting some of these different spider-man action figures in recent ever since reading that so i can make my own spider-verse of characters
3: yeah um
2: but yeah that's in my top three favorite spider-man stories of all time Um, because I i just thought it was so well done um, and then the other title I wanted to mention that's definitely outside of everything else but so good is uh dr Strange mm. uh, you got Chris Bocciolo drawing it yeah. and you got Jason Aaron writing it and yeah. it's it's awesome uh so that one i I highly recommend as well so um, but yeah, the Civil War Two stuff basically it's you're dealing with uh, an Inhuman who can s- predict the future, and some of the heroes think that we should go ahead with his predictions and pr- try to prevent stuff, and others are actually saying no, we shouldn't do that. So that's what causes the Civil War thing. It's mm-hmm. over an Inhuman. Um, I'm a little sad that Marvel is pushing, excuse me, is pushing so much for the Inhumans to really be the new mutants. Uh, yeah. Like I mean, they're really pushing the mutants out of the picture a lot and putting right. the inhumans in that spotlight now. Which I like the inhumans, don't get me wrong, but I'm always gonna like my X Men more. So
1: Yeah, and I think it's I mean, because we all know the reason why they're doing that, yes. it seems like it's forced. Be- I mean
2: it feels because heavy. you know
1: yeah, yeah. Because you know why. Because you know the behind the scenes why yeah. it's it's kind of a you so, know, that and, that I can't help but taint like the the way you're look, you know, yeah. The way you're looking
2: at it. Yeah, and one theory that's out there is because there's going to be this whole death of X storyline that comes out, right. um, one, and then there's going to be like an Inhumans versus X Men story, just like they did Avengers versus X Men. Right. Uh, one theory that's out there is that at the end of all that is that they they will find out that the Inhumans and the X, and the mutants are actually. Uh, Connected to each other, and that they'll they'll actually be merged together. So this way, Marvel can use them without calling use the X Men characters without calling them mutants Uh, and and stuff like that. That they'll actually be some variation of inhumans themselves. So they can still use those characters and maybe even use them in their own movies and blah 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 but i don't really like that idea but if that keeps my x men characters around in the marvel universe and like the fantastic four characters um then i'll go for it because obviously the fantastic four characters uh really have not been around at least mr fantastic and invisible woman yeah. stuff so
1: i kind of you. Know. There, I, I was you know, way. I was collecting every issue of X Men that was coming out, basically from '93 through 2002, something yeah. like that. Just straight decade long of yep. X Men were awesome, and and I, while I was in the middle of it, I was like, why does why does everybody say X Men's convoluted? Why does everybody say it's confusing? <laughs> well, it's because I was getting every issue, so right. I knew what was going on. Right. Then when Grant Morrison and Frank quietly took over. I was like this art looks disgusting (laughs) and because everybody looked like old women. And so I gave it like two or three issues and I was like, I can't read this. And I dropped an X-Men title and I wasn't reading it. And then as soon as I think what astonishing X-Men came on and a few others that there was a new approach to X-Men after that initial, Hey, we got to make these kind of like the movies and and whatever when they kind of got back into costume a bit. Yeah. That's when I started picking it up again. Yeah. Um, but I remember as soon as I started picking it up, I'm like, "What is going on?" Like <laughs> I had know, I was so lost. But I've never had any like real ambition to go back and fill that run. Yeah. Um, and I've kind of felt like I don't know what's going on in X Men right now at all. Yeah. And I don't know that it's worth really tracking all that down unfortunately
2: right now i would say it's not i'm enjoying extraordinary x-men and all new x-men is still going on and i still think that's a pretty good title
1: well and i I mean i absolutely i mean we talked about it years ago when it first came out a couple years ago whenever all new x-men first came out and i that was like that was my favorite yeah i bought it digital i bought it yeah like in trade you know i lent it out and lost three or four ish you know copies of it and bought it again like i yeah, was such a huge fan of that. And then I think after trade number nine or something, uh, since like after they crossed over with Guardians of the Galaxy and Gene right. had the big kind of trial, Dark Phoenix trial. Yeah, uh, I, I don't think I've read anything since then. Yeah, maybe one more trade since then. So I didn't know it was even still going.
4: Yeah,
2: so they still they did a relaunch, of course, and yeah. uh, and like you said, it's still good. I still like it uh, a lot. Uh, and I, I'm getting Extraordinary X-Men and I think that's the only two X-Men titles I'm getting right now um, of course there's not many more af- outside of that but um, <laughs> there's Uncanny X-Men but that's it's dealing more with some of the villains so you've got like Magneto and Sabretooth and some people might really like that and I thought about getting it but I was like I wanna cut, I'm want cut. i trying to cut down so I am I was yeah. like let me just cut down to two X-Men titles and that's all I'm going to get So, and I'm happy with the two that I picked because I think they're pretty good Um, I will say also that if you like Spider-Man stories and you want it outside the Marvel Universe, but you just want to read some good Spider-Man stories, uh, read Spidey, which we've mentioned on the show Oh, I have heard
1: good things about that.
2: Yeah, it's, it's Peter Parker when he was a teenager, but it's all brand new stories, and it's him still learning how to be a hero and everything else. But he goes against classic villains like Lizard and Dr. Octopus and things like that. Yeah. Uh, and it's pretty much each issue is self-contained. That's the other cool thing about it. Yeah. It, it's not always a to-be-continued for a five- or six-story arc. It's, it's mm. for the most part, the issues I've read so far, I'm not totally yeah, caught that's, up on that's it. That's
1: typically really refreshing yeah. because we just don't see that. I mean, everything's so caught up in a bigger story, and yeah. you don't know when to jump on. And
2: yeah.
1: Anyway... So, good,
2: so that that's a cool one too. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, Marvel, like I said, I go through my – I'm kind of like Mike Myers. I go through my waves where it's like I'm really into DC right now. Okay, now I'm really yeah. into Marvel. Now I'm really into – and the big thing I'm trying to do right now, obviously, and for many reasons, obvious reasons, is I'm trying to get caught up on all the Star Joe stuff because uh, yeah. I, I let myself get behind on G.I. Joe. I let myself get behind on a couple of the Star Wars titles and some of – uh, I'm caught up on Turtles. Uh, but I got way behind on Transformers, so I'm trying to get caught up on everything because obviously I want to do the comic reviews on the YouTube channel, so I can't do that if I'm not caught up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so I'm really getting focused on getting caught up on that stuff. So, um, and it's and again, it's not because I wasn't enjoying it; it's because it just.
1: Yeah, things. you've got to you've got to devote that time of the day, and yep. you've got to have the budget, and you know yep. I mean, it's not
2: an easy thing. Yep. And I've been enjoying a lot of independent stuff, and I am really enjoying rebirth. So I'm like, the stuff I'm really excited to read. And then the second I go and start picking up like a Transformers comic, I get really into it, and I'll read it for I'll read three or four issues in one sitting, or in one weekend, or something like that, and yeah. I'm really excited. But then all of a sudden something else. it's I'm, you know, I'm very much the monkey that sees the shiny object, and I'm like, ooh, look, look, <laughs> over there.
1: Yeah, and that's that catches your like current attention, and then yeah. before you know it, like you're behind again.
2: So. Yeah, there was uh, a awesome YouTube uh, video, you know, the TED Talks that they have out there. Uh, where it's like guest speakers that come out and they give a little speech about something. Well, this one guy comes out and he talks about procrastinators. And he says, and what procrastinators deal with, he goes, here's how the mind of a normal person works. And he shows this picture that he drew of a person, just a a person uh, at a a ship, uh, like a a ship's wheel. And it's uh, the logical mind is what he calls that. But he says, here's the mind of a procrastinator. You still have the logical mind person at the ship's wheel, but then you have the instant gratification monkey off to the left. <laughs> and what the instant gratification monkey does is that the logical mind's like, okay, we got to get this done. This paper needs to be worked on, or this this comic needs to be read, or this work needs to be done. And the instant gratification monkey goes, N- monkey goes nope. Instead, <laughs> how about we read the entire summary of Beverly Hills 90210 on Wikipedia because I just remembered that that show even existed. After which, we will go on YouTube and see if we can find videos of palm trees. And then after that, we're going to actually go take the dog for a walk and spend the afternoon so that by the end of the day, you got nothing done that you wanted to get done. Yeah. That sounds
1: very familiar.
2: (laughs) And the only thing that scares away the instant gratification monkey is the panic monster and (laughs) the panic monster comes from is when you have deadlines to get stuff done yes and the panic monster can actually scare away the instant gratification monkey and say we gotta get this done now
1: (laughs) (laughs) man that is so on point let me tell you that's like my life that's the exact cycle of my life
2: yes so I'll I'll be sitting there going okay I gotta get caught up on Transformers let me go ahead and read I'm gonna sit here this weekend and I'm gonna read ten issues again and then I get through two issues and I go you know I'm hungry let me go get something to eat <laughs> and then I never come back to the issues
1: well, and you know what what I I found too for the longest time I was just basically reading Marvel DC I yeah. mean for a long time yeah um, and there might be I would get caught up on like the Conan run or something would. Would come up that I'm like, oh, this is really interesting, and I would just it, it would happen to come out from Dark Horse or Vertigo or yep. IDW or whatever, um, and then in the last probably I mean this is a while, but the last five years, I would say I read just as much Valiant, uh, Dark Horse, but then obviously Marvel with the Star Wars books, yeah, um, but not like superhero yeah genre stuff uh you know i've been catching up on all the ninja turtles for idw which is such a great version
2: oh my gosh. i mean so it's good.
1: gotta it's gotta be i mean aside from like the originals which obviously created all of these stories sure. but the best take on uh the classic versions is that we could have ever wanted i mean yeah. it's so good so yes. consistently good
4: yep. um
1: and but just trying to juggle it. So like like the new stuff that's coming out, like with Aftershock and with um, other books from Image that you hear really good, yep. IDW. So I'm having a hard time just juggling keeping up with, like let alone the Marvel DC stuff, yep. which is always a big event or yep. whatever. Um, and, I still,
2: and I still love stuff that there. stuff. It's not that I don't love it. I, I absolutely love those characters, and I love reading the stories when I read them. But, yeah, I'm just like you. I probably get as much independent stuff as I do Marvel and DC stuff.
1: Yeah, which you know, 6 years ago, 7 years ago, I wouldn't have said.
2: Same same here. So yeah. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll look at image and be like, Ooh, there's a new number one. Ooh, I really like that concept. I'm going to try that. And I have found so many amazing books to read. Like I hate fairyland. Absolutely love that. Uh, outcast by Kirkman. I'd love that again, another creepy book. Um, (laughs) uh, but, uh, birthright is amazing. Uh, copperhead is amazing. Um, there's a new one coming out. Uh, I can't remember what it's called, but it, it has, um, uh, uh, Capullo art in it and everything else. Oh,
3: yeah.
2: uh, but it's like you go to the afterlife and you have to actually fight your way in the afterlife to oh, wow. to reach where you need, wanted to go to. And I was like, that sounds really interesting. And I like obviously Greg Capullo's art, so let me go ahead and get that. Um, Skyborn is coming out uh, from Frank Cho or something in that. Yeah,
1: that's true. That sounds really interesting. I don't. So there's. Oh, and then, um, I mean, you heard Invincibles ending, right?
4: Yeah, I did
2: hear so, that.
1: Uh, see, now that book, I had followed digitally, and then whenever a hardcover, the big collective hardcovers would come yeah. out, I'd pick those up. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm a little behind on that one, but that's another one. I, I've always followed that from day one. When yeah. the very first issue came out, I picked it up from the store.
2: Yeah, I get the deluxe hardcovers of them. Uh, yeah. that's the ones I get and I know there's like I think there's like 9 or 10 of them out right now
1: there's 10 I'll actually yeah. I just looked and I'm surprised because that's that's way behind as far as yeah. you know, that's probably 20 issues behind yeah. at least what's going on
2: and I I only have up to volume 8 so I still need two, uh, yeah. two of them Uh, They're already out there, but especially knowing that that's going to end, I'm like, well, I definitely want to keep getting the hardcovers of this and know that it's going to have an ending to it, just like I did with Fables. Uh, Fables I really loved, and I was getting it in trade, and then once I heard that it was going to end, I loved it so much, I went back and got all the hardcovers for it because the hardcovers are even nicer. They have more back matter that they put in there, like concept sketches and everything else. So I went back and I've been getting the hardcovers and I gave all my paperback trades to Chuck. Um, so and I, I was, do that
1: with my brother Brian too. Like I'll pick up all the hardcovers. Yeah, and then he gets like the hand me downs, which yeah. he loves.
2: <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Uh, and I told him I was like, "Here's all the trades I have. I'm getting the hardcovers and uh, and I said you probably just need to buy one or two trades yourself to finish off the entire run." yeah uh, so and he was like yeah that's a deal <laughs> um so so yeah it's there's so many things like that that i just um you know there's so many good things out there besides just the marvel and dc stuff but i love the marvel and dc stuff too so so
1: speaking really- of the the star joe's related stuff yes. like i never i like uh when the he-man books were coming out from dc are they still coming out regularly or is that no, done?
2: that's done uh, now, okay. here's what's about to come out, is He-Man Thundercats.
1: What? Yes. When was that announced?
2: Uh, Last month or two months ago. Oh! Uh, yeah, I think that comes out in October. Issue one comes out in October. Wow. Uh, And it's what? done by, I want to say, Freddie Williams Jr. or Freddie Williams III or whatever is, I yeah. think, doing the art on it. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be He-Man Thundercats from D.C., and, uh, so that came out or is coming out. And so I don't know if that's going to spin off in, cause that's obviously a mini series. I don't know if that's going to spin off into some other stuff later on.
4: Yeah.
2: I'm hoping it will. Uh, the actual He-Man series did end with Popmon and everything.
4: Yeah.
2: Um, and he's made comments to people at conventions saying like, well, keep your eyes open. So who yeah. knows what that means. Um, and then, Trying to th- oh and then I don't know if you saw did you see the Batman ninja Turtles okay crossover?
1: so I did I like I uh, okay so Freddie Williams he's an awesome guy yeah and I think earlier on in his career he's one of these guys that I just generally liked his style better earlier I agree and the way that it's gone in the last two or three years it's too kind of bubbly yeah you know what I mean like yeah he's a great draftsman and so to me, it looks rushed.
2: I feel like it changed during his Justice League, uh, Justice Society of America run.
1: I completely agree. So I, I just don't know. Like if, if you look at a preview, I, I'm right, like right now I'm looking at a preview of the, like the He-Man Thundercats. Yeah. And the cover looks like it's like Copic marker colored. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's and I weird. feel like, like the inks aren't heavy, like it's way yes. open, like it's ready yes. for color. Yep. But then the colors themselves look like a convention sketch. Yeah. As opposed to like a nice polish. But then when you look at previews of the pages, the line art is very open, but again, very solid. Yeah. Like as far as like um Yeah, but he's doing like he just like with the Batman Ninja Turtle stuff, he's doing Copic Grays yeah. to throw down tones. I think that in general I don't know. I'll probably pick it up because of the content because yeah. I love the properties. And he's a solid enough artist that like, yeah. I'm not going to be like – you know, I'm not going to turn my nose up at it. But yeah, at and I will say
2: way. I liked the Batman oh. Turtles I, miniseries. I thought that was done really well. Um,
1: I haven't read it yet, so I'll, yeah. I should give it a shot. I yeah,
2: I would say I really I really did like that. So if, if it's as good as that, I thought the art was very strong in it and everything. So. Okay. um now, the thing that they're about to do, because that was such a big hit, you know, being a crossover with IDW and and, uh-huh. uh, Bat- and DC, they are going to do a second miniseries. But this miniseries is going to be a crossover of Batman and Turtles. But it's Batman uh, done in the style of the animated series with the Turtles of... With the look of the current Nickelodeon series, <laughs> so it's it's like Batman Ninja oh Turtles Adventures instead of whoa, yeah, and it looks really cool. If you look up some of the cover arts and everything else that they're doing, it looks really cool. So so wow. that that'll be coming out in the future. I don't know. They haven't announced a date yet. I don't think though. So you know what
1: that's called? What is that called? Because like when I look up Batman Team and T, it's just I recent. F-
2: I think it's Batman TMNT Adventures. Like Adventure? <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay, yeah. That's Comic
2: awesome. or something like that. <laughs>
1: oh, my gosh. I want to read that book so bad. <laughs> that looks way cool. That uh, Just the promo piece I saw. Yeah. Yeah, I'm game for that. That yeah. looks fantastic. Yeah. I, I'm up for anything Batman Adventures typically. Right. Um, Especially if it's got like a, a little bit of a modern polish to it. You know, like. uh
2: Yeah. Um, I, I love the one cover that they show where it's the bat symbol in the background, and it's Batman standing. Is, is
1: Ooh, yeah, that's a good cover. I there. The here, turtles me, right in front of them. I'm gonna send you just real quick the picture I saw. Okay. Oh, that's not gonna work. Get here just a second. Um, and then but I do see I do see what you were just talking about too. Yeah, that, that does look cool.
4: Yeah. But they. Uh,
2: and then there's even, like, it looks like there's a Kevin Eastman one with Batman and the four turtles around him. But it's Kevin Eastman art. Um, I
1: haven't seen that.
2: Which, that one looks a little weird, <laughs> to be honest with you. <laughs> oh, yeah. I did see that image.
1: It Doesn't look so good? Like, that Batman looks perfect. Because it's obviously inspired by the adventures. Right. But it's got that little modern, like, edge to it.
2: Yes. and if And if that's what the art... Is going to look like inside. I am all over that.
1: <laughs> I, would so, I would so get that. Hey, do you know if the did the IDW Rom book come out?
2: It did. It's horrible. Is it no? <laughs> I didn't like it.
1: Really?
2: I'm I'm two issues in, and I I don't like it. Um,
1: I, haven't re- I haven't I haven't read it yet. Um, the interior. What does the interior art look like? Uh. <laughs> really? Yeah, I'm not a fan. It's kind of like a – it's a bit of an open style, but
2: – Yeah, I'm I'm honestly just not a fan of it. I huh. I think they – well, and it could be some of the storytelling with it too. Like the first issue, they spent so much time in the art showing you him transitioning his, his weapon to the, like the neutralizer to oh, you know, yeah. all, his scanner and all that type of stuff. And um, yeah, I – I like the I new I thought design. the
1: art looked real solid. I I didn't I didn't look at sequential pages though. Yeah. All I saw was like the draftsmanship of it. I liked the style.
2: Yeah, and I I'm looking to see if I have anything here.
1: I haven't I didn't I what I got when I did the cover was like a uh uh just a character bible, like turnarounds and a few cover pieces and that all looked pretty cool. But. Yeah.
2: Um yeah, I'll see if I can send you an image. If nothing else, I'll text it to you. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I didn't really care for the story. I didn't oh, okay. really care for the art. Um, and Travis, who is a huge fan, yeah. uh, yeah. he didn't like it either. So uh, <coughs> like, it's not bad art. It's just, to me, it was very mediocre art.
1: No. Uh, so I was so, such high hopes for this book. Like it was a book I never read back in the day. Right. But, I because I got to draw the cover, I got all this kind of background information on the new look, and I liked that concept. Yeah, and I knew about the cover or the character back then, but uh, I was definitely willing to give give it a shot, give it a try. Yeah. And,
2: uh, now, on a
1: that's flip, now on
2: the flip side of it, I really do like the Micronauts title.
1: I was about to ask that. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I like the art. It's kind of it has a little bit of a cartoony style to the art, but uh-huh. not not in a bad way. Like it. Um but it's, I, I think it's fun. The only thing I've been disappointed with it so far is they have not come to earth yet. So they, they we are like four or five issues in and they're still not on earth. So they're not small yet. They're still their normal size. And I'm like, right. this is called the Micronauts. Can we please see them small? <laughs> <laughs> but I'm enjoying the story and I'm enjoying the characters. So that's kind yeah. of the important thing there. So,
1: yeah, um, they they've been Baldeon. Um, or David Baldiani, he's a kind of French guy, but he's a uh, uh, he drew Robin back in the day back at, at DC, and one of the guys in my studio inked him for a long time. Gotcha. And then he worked on um, Nova and uh, some X Men books, but he's he's a good artist. He definitely, I think, for from what I'm looking at preview wise, because I haven't seen the issues. Yeah. But I, he's kind of opened up his style more. I believe probably to get pages done a little quicker. Yeah. He's going from Marvel DC rates to IDW rates. I'm, I'm guessing he was just making a transition to get the, the pages done faster to make up for the page rate difference.
4: Yeah.
1: Uh, and in that transition, he's probably working like a lot of guys who do this, like Steve Kurth did that because he was doing a lot of Marvel yeah. work and came over and started drawing GI Joe again. You're getting half the rate, honestly. Yeah. Uh, even if you're a big name, they might bump it up a little bit. But like you're going to have to do something to make up for that. And a lot of times people have a hard time transitioning, like you know, letting their style change to right. to factor in that that page rate difference. So
2: yeah, so I did text you some image, some pictures I took real quick from the interiors of a uh, ROM issue. So uh, look at that when you have a chance. Okay. Like I said that they're, they're, it's just kind of mediocre art to me. It's mm-hmm. not it's not that it's bad. It's just not. I don't want to say it's good either.
1: Yeah,
2: um, and uh, what
1: about is idw doing a new mask
2: they are that is, is out yet that is not out yet so they are going to do a revolution issue first i am definitely planning on covering that on the youtube channel um and uh they are doing uh and then there'll be the series after that so there's like a one-shot revolution issue that's... uh that'll tie into the big thing now um, oh
1: that's right the revolution like that's I've yes. heard good things about this, like yeah. a big crossover
2: thing. I've heard good things as well, so I'm excited about that. Yeah. Now, Matt Tracker in the new Mask series is black. They've completely right. changed the character, which everyone that listens to the show knows how I've felt about that in the past. I don't like it when you change a character, uh, an established character. If you mm-hmm. want to say this is Matt Tracker's son who he had, like they kind of did with Nick Fury where it was Nick Fury's right. son and he's got the same name, that's fine. I don't know if that's what they're going to do. I doubt it. But like if
1: you can work it out in the story. Yeah. Like story, Work it out in the story for this work, but yeah. don't like, yeah, yeah. Like
2: I have no problem. Like if you made Miles Morales Spider-Man and there was no Peter Parker Spider-Man, like, Peter Parker was maybe his mentor, or teaching him or something like that. But Miles Morales was the only Spider-Man. I'm totally fine with that. But if you make Peter Parker all of a sudden Chinese, now I got a problem with that because now I'm going. Why did you change who Peter Parker is? Like this is an right. alternate universe or anything like that. So it's kind of the same thing with this with Matt Tracker. I'm still gonna probably I'm still gonna read the issue. I'm hoping I'll st- still really love it. It's gonna have nothing. You know that change is not gonna change whether I like the story or not, but I'm just like, why did you have to change the character? Like,
1: well, I don't, I wonder, it, it's gotta be a tough thing. Yeah. I mean, it's diversity for the want, sake of diversity. Yeah. That, that bothers me. Yeah. But I think when the, you're trying to update an 80s property, yeah. Uh, you need the nostalgia vote. Yep. Uh, and you need to make it relevant. Right. And so it doesn't make sense to me that you would update all the costumes and do these super mech, Looking, you know, right. body armor costumes like they, they look cool. I like the designs. Yeah. But then they're like hopping in a Goldwing wing Trans Am from the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> like that doesn't make sense. You know, so then are they going to update the vehicles? As soon as you do that, it's not Mask anymore. Like right. the concept is the same. Call it Mask. That's fine. But right. why would you keep the names the same? Right. Like call him call him Marcus Tracker. Right. And he's the adopted son of Matt Tracker. And he's in updated vehicles that have and yeah. and Matt Tracker is like in Batman Beyond. He's the old, the, the old Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Now he doesn't have to be a you know, an old curmudgeon or anything. No. But he's the one. He was the the, the rich dude to begin with, so right. he's financing the whole thing. Right. He's been he's been fighting this battle for twenty years, and he's he's we have a whole next generation of of uh you know the new Mask Agents to go out and. You know, whatever. Like,
2: and the play. thing was, and the thing was that mask. I'm not saying that mask was very diverse, but mask did have some diverse characters already. Yeah. You had Hondo McLean, which is, by the way, next to Lando Calrissian is the coolest name <laughs> ever for a character. Hondo McLean yeah. just awesome. So there's a really cool character already, and it was he had one of the coolest vehicles too. It was the 57 Chevy that yeah. turned into the, the tank. <laughs> um, and then you have like characters like Bruce Sato, and then you had, you know, you had your female characters and like, there was some good diversity. Yeah, it in wasn't Masked just the, like
1: five white guys. Right. You know, like going out and fighting, <laughs> fighting, uh, you know, the bad guys. It was, uh, yeah, it was already a diverse cast. And it's right. like, I, I feel like, uh, I don't know. It's like, I get, everybody should be represented. I am sure. not against there being black characters. I mean, seriously. Exactly. But at the same time, when you're doing it, just. It just seems like it's for it. the sake of diversity, yeah. as opposed to it being as a story. Like, right. by all means, make the main character black. I don't care about that. What I care about is if it fit in the story and there, and it makes sense.
2: You could Instead introduce a whole. Different. You could introduce a whole new character, as far as I'm concerned, and make him the leader and have him be black, and have him be the leader of Mask. Just don't call
1: him Matt Tracker. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. exactly. Because that's Come not, up with a that's, whole, a whole like five new four or five new main characters like they're uh you know make their make their car or whatever the the modern equivalent of whatever those were you know what you know whatever the the the, uh the motorcycle the the semi-truck a humvee instead of a jeep or or whatever you know is is at the time like make it a popular car now sure yeah um and well and then and then you know every once in a while let. Let like an old character show up with their vehicle that still it's been upgraded enough but it's got the old school look and then i'm like i'm super excited to see that old trans am yeah
2: and the and the thing is this goes all the way back to the discussion we had years and years ago chuck and i had years and years ago about ripcord when they put ripcord in the gi joe origins uh series and in the movie they made ripcord black well ripcord's not black and I am fine if you're saying this is a different character that took up the mantle of the Dane ripcord. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. But don't say that this is Wallace Weems because it's not Wallace Weems. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah, I agree. So that's – that alone, like, I don't know. That always kind of makes me a bit wary.
2: And before anyone anyone out there is thinking I'm being racist or anything like that, I am just as upset about – uh, the fact that in the Doctor Strange movie, they took a, an old Asian guy and made it a white female character.
1: <laughs> well, and and that doesn't make sense. I mean, again, and there's I, no white I, I male in
2: that agree. equation at all. So.
1: <laughs> and so, so I completely agree. To me, it's a bit different translating from comics to movies. Sure. OK, because in movies, not, I'm not saying that that choice was correct. Right. Um, Sometimes you cast based on who is the best actor who could convey the character that is created from the screenplay. Now, obviously, it's going to be influenced by the source material. If it's a black person or white or whatever, that can influence it. But whoever is casting is going to try to pick the best actor for the job. Um, Them picking an Asian character just because the source material character was Asian... And then trying to find a good Asian, good Asian character is the exact same as Captain America's white, so we better make sure it's a white dude. You know what <laughs> I mean? It, it, yeah. It's the you know. Um, then well, then why wasn't Kingpin white? In right. The old Daredevil movie. Then you know. So you can't have the argument both ways.
4: Right.
2: And or, well, or
1: one way and not both ways.
2: Right. And but the thing it, is, I have I have the argument both ways. It's like like I said, yeah. the ancient one was an old Asian guy. And then you made it a white female guy, character for the movie. And like you said, she might be the best actress for the or best actor for that part. And, and like you said earlier, it takes nothing away from if I'm going to enjoy the movie. I might go to that movie and be like, this is fantastic. I still don't agree with the casting, though. <laughs> yeah.
1: And, and, you know, and then the other thing, too, is that because it's such a different medium and format and you're dealing with a much wider demographic of people who are going to be consuming the product. Uh, the, all of that's taken into account. And so to me, uh, a comic to movie translation or transition and characters, ethnicities or whatever changes, I'm much more forgiving of. I'm I am personally too. much more forgiving of. But when it's comic to comic, like yeah. it's the exact same audience. I mean, come on. And, yeah. and in fact, not only that, it's the exact same dudes who are kids back in the eighties that are going to be buying this book. Now and you're not going to fool yourself into thinking anybody else is going to buy this book. So, so why are you do- why are you doing that? And I lo-
2: and I love character progression. So like I'll give you another example of that was Sam Wilson becoming the new Captain America. That made perfect sense to me and if they yeah. had kept him as Captain America from now on, which he kind of still is, I'm totally fine with that. I don't I didn't need Steve Rogers to come back as Captain America. I knew it was gonna happen, of course. Yeah,
1: eventually. But but, but, but it's not never... if like they rebooted Captain America right. and he's a black dude named Steve Rogers. Like, right. right. It's just
2: not
1: necessary. It's not
2: necessary. Um but like you said, someone picking up the mantle of Captain America and it's and it's a black character, that's fantastic. I thought Sam Wilson was a perfect choice for that because of his history. With Cap and everything else. Same thing with Jane Foster becoming the new Thor. It made yeah. perfect sense for her to become the new Thor. She had a history of being involved with Thor and everything else, and now she's the new Thor. It's And it's an amazing story. So, like... I love character progressions like that. I love characters that pick up the mantle of other characters. I think that's great. I don't like it when you change the frickin' character, though. I don't like it when, you know, if we want to go to the flip side, if you made Black Panther a white dude, I'm not going to like it. <laughs> if you said, this is T'Challa and he's
1: white. No. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it seems ridiculous, but that's the exact same argument. Like, yes. and, and as silly as that sounds... You know what I mean? I, I don't know. There's probably a little more like context to that comparison than Matt Tracker being sure. a black dude. But okay. at the same time, it's
2: the If we go Luke Cage, there's nothing about Luke Cage right. that says he needs to be a black character. Right. So if we made him white, I would be just as upset. <laughs> I'd be like, Luke Cage I completely not, agree because he's is not a white guy.
1: Because <laughs> because there's a context. You know right. what I mean? So right.
2: so. Anyway. So, um, so yeah, this episode went way controversial, but Hey, and it also, and it also went way longer than I thought it would. I thought this would be an hour, hour and a half, but Hey, we got almost three hours out of this thing. So, so, um, all right. So why don't we wrap it up unless anyone has anything else they wanted to throw out there? No. Okay. (laughs) Robert, how can they find your stuff?
1: Uh, just on uh, Facebook, Robert Atkins Art, Twitter, Instagram, I'm posting on more. Uh, my blog, Robert Atkins Art, and you'll you'll come across my stuff.
2: Okay. John, how can they find you?
1: John Thurman on Facebook and Twitter, J-O-N,
0: Virginia Comic Con at vacomiccon.com.
2: Cool. And for our absentee uh, co-host Shannon, just Google them. <laughs> no, it's slgallant.com. Uh, Check out his stuff as well. Uh, For Starjoes, you can find us at Starjoes.com. You can find us on uh, Facebook. There's a group page and a fan page. Uh, And uh, on Twitter, we're at Podcast. You can email us at Starjoespodcast at gmail.com. I do still have a voicemail to play at some point. I'm not going to play it now because we've already gone three hours. But uh, (laughs) it will be safe for next time. I promise who sent that voicemail. Uh, It will be played the next time. Uh, I was very excited to get a voicemail. So if you want to call and leave a voicemail for the next episode that we could play along with the one that we've been sitting on, it's 440-941-JOES, 440-941-JOES. And uh, leave us an iTunes review. Uh, We are on iTunes, we're on Stitcher, and we're on the Podbean app. Uh, But please leave us an iTunes review. It gives us uh, some more exposure out there. I uh, believe that is everything, and as John always says, if we forgot something, we'll cover it next time. We do have merchandise for sale. We have T-shirts, hoodies, coffee mugs. If you go to StarJo's.com on the right-hand side, there is a link there that says StarJoes merchandise. It'll take you right there, and you can purchase it. We did see uh, a few people at Baltimore Con that were sporting the new, uh, new T-shirts from that site. Uh, they looked great. Everyone seemed to like them. Uh, so definitely go get some. Um, and in fact, we heard from a lot of people saying when they saw my shirt seeing Star Joes, they were like, I've seen a lot of those shirts this weekend. So <laughs> was pretty cool. Uh, so we want to get hopefully they'll see a ton more next year. Exactly. Exactly. So um, but with that, I don't John or Robert, I don't care who the hell says it, but we'll go ahead and close <laughs> the episode by saying the force will be with you battle? Take care, everyone.
1: <laughs> Screw Michael Bay.